1: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a
0: patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batman to offer your support now and now on with the show
1: Gotham City like any other large metropolis abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes debutantes, nurses Stenographers and librarians. Scotland City Library, Ms. Gordon Speaker. Lopez Hair Removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders.
0: It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto and
1: three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Like a wave crashing into the shore You are wash away my dreams Time While you walk away Like a friend went somewhere to go You left me crying Can you teach me about tomorrow Made in sorrow, running free Cause tomorrow's just another day And I don't believe in time and Make-
0: wete Mihi Nomen Est Stella at Hawk Est of the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 216 for January MMXXII. Back of The Oracle is brought to you by MileHighcomics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics rated shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Well, it's been a long time since I've had this guy on here and the first time on Zoom. But there's a reason why I wanted him on this episode, which we'll, of course, talk about. But this is my podcasting brother, my big bro. Yeah, it's Tom Panarese. Welcome back.
2: Hi. <laughs> this is weird. This is my first time on video, yet I spent the better part of an entire year doing this from this very seat in front of an average of 20 teenagers per hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is still very weird.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I was commenting before we started recording that your background like sums you up to a T just with all of the images and everything. I'm like, yeah, you can just look yes. at that and be like, yeah, that's Tom Paneries right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh credit credit to Luke Dobb for the Teen Titans oh. print. I bought it off of it so yeah, was a Baltimore Comic Con. So Yeah, it's
0: got a Luke Dobb feel about it. It is,
2: it is a Luke Dobb print. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then below that, of course, is uh the Justice League by uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez.
0: Praise be his name. So <laughs> The Teen Titans comes at a good time when we see the, the Nightwing 88 mm-hmm. that we'll discuss, which I wasn't expecting them to pop up. But we'll yeah, I'm I'm no sure you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have a fun a lot of fun talking about it. And we can, yeah. of course, talk about, you know, who popping up in that issue. Uh, well, Freedom? yes, exactly. That's who I'm talking about. Well, I am happy to have you on here. The reason why, actually, I wanted you in particular to come on here. First of all, I did. I remember reached out to you before Mm -hmm. and said, man, it's been a long time since you've been on. Is there anything you want? And you had mentioned like Terry Moore had done an arc. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, Terry Moore is on this arc that we're doing. It came up pretty quickly. But we've got a pretty solid history, I think, you and I with Terry Moore.
2: Yeah, I started reading Strangers in Paradise two thousand. Two, I think, two thousand yeah, two thousand two. I think is when I read started reading the trades that uh, a friend of mine who I met after college was just basically would loan me just a ton of comics. You know, like hey, like I we'd hang out and be like, you know, and so he loaned me Sandman. He loaned me a bunch of other stuff uh, that I'd never read or read bits and pieces of or whatever. And uh, he said, if you ever read Strangers in Paradise?" It was the only thing that Terry Moore was producing at the time, and um, I had heard of it because I saw it enough in previews and was actually always kind of curious because it was a well-regarded comic book that at different points in time was, was being published by a different couple of companies. At one point, it was published by Image for a little bit, and then I think more Just started self publishing after that. It was a like I I would read the solicits and it sounded really interesting because it had nothing to do with superheroes or anything else that you know everybody else was doing. The only other comic that I could think of that I'd heard of but still had not read, uh, that was in the same game would be like Love and Rockets or something like Mm. that. And so I I was always kind of curious about it, never read it, and he loaned it to me. And he had low, and I was, I think they were up to um, book nine. (sighs) I think was as as far as he had gotten at that point, and then I started buying it in trade um, after that, all the way till its end. So I read it. I read it kind of in the back half of its first run. Completely missed Echo, um, probably because. And I want to say the reason I missed it was because when Echo came out, I think I was broke. So <laughs> it was just one of those things I never bought sure. it. But then I I bought the complete Echo off of him at a at, at the Baltimore con, and also bought Rachel Rising. Um, In trade, and then since then, uh, the only thing I haven't read, and I think you have, and I still have to go buy this trade is Motor Girl. Um, I don't again. That might have been a thing where I just I just missed it for some reason. Yeah, but yeah, we have long history with Terry Moore.
3: Yeah, Um, met
2: him several times. Have a lot of trades signed by him (laughs) and such. So it's really it's it's really cool to be here to talk about something you did because I haven't read a a lot of his stuff that's beyond his self published stuff.
0: Yeah, I knew. Of him, like in name only, but didn't really associate who he was. So I think I had known that he was on here. I feel like maybe he did a Teen Titans arc, but I could be wrong about that. I think he definitely did one of the volumes of Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. But it was, I felt like it wasn't as good as the original stuff. So it's it not okay. like I was. Yeah, I'm not associating like this guy with great things. I had heard of Strangers in Paradise from one of my castmates on Spider-Man crawl space, but you it's really ironic because you're saying that someone gave you strangers in paradise <laughs> and you are the one who gave me, I'm pretty sure Rachel rising was the first thing that you lent me that I read of his, that's like his own creative uh, work. And I really liked it. I mean, there's so much to to dig in with that particular tale, but you, the characters are just so fleshed out. And, and the fact that the majority of his stories, if not all of them are like, female led and he just crafts mm. these really strong and well-developed and sometimes flawed, oftentimes flawed female characters is just a great testament to his writing. And so I think you've lent me several copies of different things you lent me yeah. echo motor girl. I got from him at Baltimore comic-con and had him sign and I'm waiting to get cereal when that comes out in mm-hmm. trade form. So I feel like everything that he's done, that's his own. I've really enjoyed I, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He when it comes to female characters, it, it is really fascinating how well he writes them and how he will have fun with some of the tropes of comic book female characters. Like sometimes he'll he'll introduce them and then just kind of turn the trope on its head. I, I always think of Casey from Strangers in Paradise. Is <laughs> she's a very tropey character when sure. she starts out, but it's like once you start to develop that character, he he. Plays with that and has fun with it and makes her a very likable and be three dimensional, yeah. Uh, beyond you know, um, just kind of the very because she's kind of a bimbo when she's yeah. you know, she's like the she, I think she's dating Freddie or somebody. I'm trying to remember, it's been a while since I did my reread, but yeah, she, that's how she kind of comes in their lives. And I, I should plug over to True Freaks, the uh, the, the True freaks has an audio uh, drama production company and they are doing an audio a full cast audio adaptation of strangers in paradise oh, wow. and i believe they're on book 3 at the moment okay so uh, you can go to two true to see that i'm not involved with it and i'm but but gene hendricks and uh, thomas dj and them are doing a great job with it so and and more gave him the blessing and everything and like you know so it's all you know it's official in a sense it's, yeah. it's really, really the well, the really yeah.
0: And he's all about the shipping. That's one of the reasons why I love his <laughs> works too. And some yes. really odd couples, like I love Jet and Earl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Those are just, you wouldn't imagine those two together, but it's just, it's so lovely how they work together and how, well, you have to read it. So what I'm about to say doesn't make any sense, but the yeah. fact that she can actually feel him and feel his warmth, whereas everyone else she can't. So just some, some great stuff. Well, before we get into it, into it, uh, we do have to do our find our joy segment, aka Shag's mac and cheese of comfort and joy, your your BFF. So, what, if anything, has been giving you some joy in some of these troubling Omicron times?
2: What's joy? I'm between joy <laughs> at the moment.
0: Between joy at the moment.
2: I'm trying. I was trying to think of this. The last January has been crazy. I've had five days of work in january so far because we missed the entire week (laughs) due to snow and then we missed every tomorrow we're supposed to we're recording this on a wednesday night and tomorrow we're supposed to go back on a two-hour delay It probably will happen but you know so it's been it's just been um kind of like everything's been thrown out of whack um i got a quite a few books for christmas and um have been watching just been watching movies and stuff um so i can just tell i guess on the movie side of things uh We watched both a quiet place movies and I really, really enjoyed them really loved far from home, not far from home, no way home Spider-Man, and have been enjoying the book of Boba Fett. So it's just kind of, and just catching up on like, you know, we have just kind of a a running rotation of shows that we work our way through. So it's just been kind of fun to after all the holiday programming and after all of the, like, you know, let's watch this movie or whatever, it's been kind of fun to just get back and, and like, Try to empty our DVR of all of the various episodes of Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow that that we have on there. (laughs) Sure. Um, I think, well, Supergirl is done because we worked through Supergirl. Uh, Superman and Lois just started. And uh, again, and I haven't watched that yet. And um, I think, I think I'm going to, I taped the five part thing that started the flash this season but after last season i think i'm done with the flash but you know i'm holding i you know we hold on to those cw shows for, for pretty long the flashes and it's like eighth or ninth season and you know by then that a show like that can get pretty stale yeah but uh but no we're enjoying that and then just our, our usual um God, i listen listened to so many podcasts <laughs> so you know um true crime podcasts uh movie pod you know, everything so it's just kind of a, a it's it's me just trying to find sanity in the in, in the midst of everything, I think the most daily find your joy part of things for me, at least at work, is that I insist on not being on my computer and take picking out a book during my lunch half hour um, and just reading. And it's whatever I happen to be reading at the moment. I mean, granted, right now I'm reading The Bell Jar, which is not exactly <laughs> an uplifting book,
3: uh, but you know, yeah. I was
2: reading, um, right before Christmas, I was reading Marble Saga. I just read some... Uh, some Batman stuff and just reread a, a few uh, and I've been re- re- I've been reading through the Jack Knight Starman series. So yeah, just it's kind of like all over the place. I try to find it where I can. Sure.
0: Yeah, no, I get that for sure. I just to pick up of your TV shows, I just started watching and now I'm, I just finished season or series for this tonight before we started Peaky Blinders, which I've been enjoying. And I love the twenties, so that's really great. And then it's got you know some mafia yeah, I, and yeah, gang gang related things.
2: Yeah, I watch. I, we watch the first season, and we keep meaning to pick it back up. So it's yeah, but from what we've seen of it, we really like it. But it's one of those sometimes we'll we'll start a show and then like oh crap, we still have like. I still have to finish season two of Ted Lasso. So, <laughs> sure. <know.
0: laughs> yeah. Oh, I've heard good things about that. One of my friends, it's she was really surprised funny. I wasn't watching it because I'm such a football fan. Oh, so, I'll really have funny. to. Yeah, I'll start that. Today was day one of grad school. So not much happening there. I did some readings, did intro stuff. Tom has been a delight because I've been somewhat stressed out because I think the bad thing is I keep looking ahead in the syllabus and seeing all the stuff that's like coming. I don't do that. I know. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even know what a KUD is. You know, and uh, so uh, I'm no, like texting no, Tom. Yeah. It, it
2: means no, understand and do. It's part of a lesson plan. Okay. So the student will know this. Understand this and then and do, do this. this. Okay. It's actually on every one of my lesson plans.
0: Okay. The, yeah. But um, anyway, I, keep... I had
2: text at 1022, text at 1027.
0: <laughs> He's like my counselor to be like, it'll be okay, Stella. It'll be okay. But everything seems like really intense and hard right now. And I keep thinking, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what if I fail this course? What if you know, and then I don't get this degree? Was this all worth it? So I just need to take it a day at a time. And try to call myself. But I'm thankful for you because you oh. helped in, and talked me through them. But like, you'll be fine. So you're a good you, person to have. And you've you been will. through that experience. So that you're a yeah. good point person to have.
2: Yeah. In fact, I did pretty much more or less the same program. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I did it five years ago. So, or yeah. six years ago now. So it's probably changed a little bit since then. But some of the stuff you've mentioned, yeah, you're, I was there. So yeah. I remember doing it. And I still, funny enough, I still have everything except for some of the paperbacks that i rented from amazon and not bought
0: so uh, yeah but I yeah i'm hoping notes. i won't have to they're saying one of them's definitely like an e-book i can get and then mm-hmm. there this other course the literacy course that i'm taking there are lots of required texts but i guess you can get two up to two chapters free from uva library mm. so hopefully i'll be okay so that but that's still it's an exciting time of like okay well my journey's continuing are you are you a patriots fan because i'm about to say something Unfortunate
2: football. Yeah, no, I'm a Giants fan, but oh, even okay. then, I haven't so watched the I haven't watched the NFL <laughs> okay. in like three or four years. So,
0: okay. No, Giants oh, fan. we're okay. I was. I, I would like I to, going to remind to you,
2: and and as a Giants fan, I I yes. do have. To, I am required to remind people that the Giants beat Tom Brady's Patriots
0: twice
2: Ooh. in the Super Bowl. Okay.
0: So. Well, that's fine. I don't. I don't have. I'll anything. hold on to that. I have no connection to Tom Brady, but I am excited because the Bills—they—they beat—they slaughtered, I would say, <laughs> the Patriots. I mean, Josh Allen was on fire, but that's why I'm wearing my Buffalo Bills hat. Uh, unfortunately, they're up against the Chiefs, and that's who defeated mm. them last year. So I don't know. Mahomes um, is a great quarterback, so I guess we'll see what happens. But I'm excited about that. And then my final joy, I think, is that I. I'm going to NYC. I think Carolyn and I had been talking about, we weren't sure yet, but I won tickets to see a Broadway show. I just, I wrote a short essay and it was chosen and I got to choose which show. So we're going to see company, which we were supposed to see before COVID. So she and I are going to see that. And then just spur of the moment last, I guess it was yesterday. She's like, should we see another show? Because I had chosen a matinee. So it's like, you know what? We're on Broadway. We've got free tickets. Why not? So now, fingers crossed. I mean, we're going to go see the music band with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. Fingers crossed because you just don't know. COVID has been shutting down shows. Sometimes you mm-hmm. don't know. You could be in the seat and then be like, so sorry. Or you might miss a leading cast member. But I was telling her one of the reasons we decided is that both Sutton and Hugh have had COVID. Not saying that that's, you know, you're not going to get it again. But I'm just like, well, it'd be so soon after afterwards so if anything they'll just cancel the whole, sh- whole show and then we won't have missed anything so I said about that and spending time with her and and seeing a show is always a privilege and a blessing so yeah there you go cool yeah okay. hopefully
2: I'll be able to make it back up to New York City we're supposed to go in December and yeah. cancel because of COVID so we'll see
0: yeah yeah as my message, I feel like I haven't said it in a while. And I know it depends on your political affiliations and your belief systems potentially, but I do strongly suggest and advise still wearing masks. I think that I, I know that some people are just like, it doesn't help or anything, but I, I think that it Does still somewhat help, and and being safe and cautious for yourself as well as for others. I think empathy, right? Empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. is really big. So maybe put up with some uncomfortableness (laughs) because you don't like masks, just to to help other people.
2: I mean, I we both work in places that are basically petri dishes. Oh yeah, and I mean, I've been wearing. I don't i I don't think there's a single person I know who enjoys being masked up. Maybe some people do. And it's a, you know, but I I don't like it, but whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just second nature to me at this point. I am kind of getting sick of wearing them, but I have also not been sick yet so yeah. i would rather not get sick
3: absolutely yeah <laughs> and have to
2: take time off and have to deal with oh. you know even if it's mild having to quarantine for the number of days my school district says and all the logistical crap that i would have to go to yep. go through because i've been exposed and i was and i tested positive or something i'd hate you know yeah
0: yeah and then your family too would have to stay.
2: Yeah, and too. then my family has to do. Yeah, it's just like no. I mean, even yeah. just even on that minor level. Yeah. You know, yeah. which I'm so I'm not trivializing anybody who got like long COVID or is really sick or has, has died. I mean, it's it's a very very serious thing. But even on the mild level, like, oh, everyone's going to get it. The crap you've got to go through, it just it's not it's just not worth it. Just worth.
0: It. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his soapbox. I am yeah. off
2: my soapbox now.
0: I will say they don't bother me now. I wear two of them at work. I work at a hospital, so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a big thing. But I feel like now because it's like oxygen deprivation that I can run more easily now because I feel like my (laughs) lungs have expanded. So I don't huff and puff as much when I'm running. But, um, yeah, I usually try to get out during lunch either to walk or I sit out and, and read a book because I just need to leave the enclosed area of the office anyways or aren't mm-hmm. any windows. But then yeah I can just like breathe and, and be out there in the outside. So so anyways, yeah continue to be cautious. Okay. So we're gonna get on to this. I just have one vintage quickie, which is Robin, and then we're gonna do birds of prey, our birds of prey arc 47, 48, 49. So this quickie from Robin it is 108. And the comiXology, I guess it was the publisher synopsis, Drury Walker, the man known as Caraxes, is running around committing multiple crimes in Gotham faster than Robin can keep up with him. Meanwhile, Caraxes is holed up downtown. What the heck is going on? Even an able assist from Nightwing can't keep Robin from getting in over his head. And where Babs appears, Tim is radioing her when he spots Caraxes and she tells him to wait for Dick to come to him. And. He kind of rushes on ahead, but that was basically it. So there was no need to really cover all of that. So I, the I yeah.
2: may have bought this issue off the stand. I, I was, I bought Robin for a very long time. I just don't remember what my last issue was.
0: Gotcha. Yeah.
2: I want to say it was very around. I think my last issue might've been around like one twenty five. Okay. I bought it for a little while during like infinite crisis.
0: Oh, infinite crisis. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, the main event, some Birds of Prey. So Tom has graciously agreed to do a synopsis for this arc. And then we will, so you can do the whole thing, and then we will split them up and talk about them individually.
2: All right, yeah. So I'm going to go all the way through with Birds of Prey, numbers 47, 48, and 49. And they all have the same creative team throughout, so I'm just going to run down the creative team right away. Uh, Terry Moore is our writer. Art is Amanda Connor on pencils and Jimmy Palmiati on inks. Brian Miller does colors separations by hi-fi. Albert de Guzman is the letterer. The editor was Lysa Hawkins. Each of the colors is by Phil Noto and they are absolutely gorgeous. I love Phil Noto's covers on this series. Agreed. Like Even back when I would see it in previews, I was always like, they just were amazing. And I remember at one point, I think Ed Benes takes over the covers. Oh, yeah. And I was <laughs> disappointed.
0: <laughs> and that's interesting so, to say because Ed Benes is a pretty good artist. He
2: is a good artist. Yeah. He is a good artist. But, like, you know, sometimes it's like Ed not every woman has a C cup. <laughs> At least it's not Jim Balen. Um, Anyway, our release dates, cover dates, November and December of 20, 2002 and January 20, 2003. Release dates, September 18th, 2002, October 23rd, 2002, and November 20th of 2002. Uh, this is a three-part storyline called The Chaotic Code, and part one is called Icarus Rising. We open on a LexCorp satellite and the words of President Lex Luthor, who is giving a press conference, announcing some huge scientific breakthrough that is going to be, according to him, the hope of all mankind. We then cut to an apartment where a bruised woman is being held hostage by a man named Willie, who is screaming at the television and waving around a gun. Black Canary busts through the window and they start fighting. Meanwhile, Barbara Gordon is hanging upside down in her sweatpants on some board doing what I assume is some sort of exercise type of thing. Uh, while talking on the phone to Senator Fitzgerald about the LexCorp breakthrough and she says that she is interested in whatever this is and would like to accompany him to the demonstration in New York that Luther is announcing and he will they will meet up with Atticus Black Blackever or Blackever, the LexCorp scientist who made the breakthrough. Dinah has Willie all tied up and duct taped while they wait for the police, and she meets Babs the next day. They travel to New York, and Babs travels up the stairs of the building in her sweet new wheelchair and heads into the press conference. Talia, who I believe is, is Talia is Luther's chief of staff.
0: Well, see, I was confused because I'm like, is this Talia al Ghul?
2: That is Talia al Ghul. Oh, oh. oh okay. But I, I think, I can't remember what position she held. I want to say she's the chief of staff. It's, she's not the vice president. um, This is the
0: first time I've encountered her with Lex Luthor, so your guess is as good as mine.
2: All right. Well, she introduces Black and who talks about how he's essentially found a way to extend life, almost a cure for death, in a way. And it lies in the hands of a 17-year-old girl named Madison, who is a citizen of a country called Altavia. He has Madison's blood drawn while prattling on about something called the Chaos Code, and introduces Madison as someone who, quote, has control over her own chaotic code. Madison glances at Babs with a worried look. Outside of the New York building, Dinah argues with what looks like a secret service man over where her car is parked and he pulls out a pistol and takes her hostage. Back inside, Madison does a live demonstration of what is essentially a healing power on Senator Boucher, whose heart condition is magically healed. Barbara gets skeptical about whether or not Madison's power will last very long. M- meanwhile, Dinah's still being held hostage in their RCV, but she's being forced to drive somewhere. So what does she do? She throws in a reverse and mistakenly crashes into a telephone pole and then, st- and then goes forward, sending her assailant through the windshield. For some reason, this does not render him unconscious or dead or dead. <laughs> like he hits the damn windshield. This guy should be out, yeah. but nope. He does try to pull the gun on her, and she just sends his head through the window, and that does the trick. Barbara continues to plus, press Black Aver on the effects of Madison's powers, and he responds by having her have Madison touch Barbara's legs, which she can then feel. Madison whispers, please, Barbara Gordon, help me, while Dinah screams over the radio that she needs help. And she does, because there are several men in suits pointing guns at her part two crash and burn opens with barbara still astonished that she can feel her legs and just think of dr strange love
1: i can walk
2: Uh, but several people brandishing guns have now entered the room so the joy is a little bit short-lived uh they attempt to kidnap madison who blasts them with some sort of energy while babs breaks out what looks like nunchucks, and fights off some of the attackers. She then goes full Batgirl and takes out several thugs before jumping out of a window and swinging to safety. Dinah sits in the back of the van surrounded by her kidnappers who were working with the armed men in the building. After some witty banter, she starts beating up the guys in the back of the van. Panicked, the driver takes off. Babs and Madison are on the streets of New York with Babs more than happy to stretch her legs while Madison worries that Black Aver will come for her. They get into a cab, and after making a phone call, she tells the driver to head to a private terminal at JFK. I have to say, just because just this, this is a really weird like, synopsis, the pages go back and forth between Barbara and Black Canary for yeah. most of this issue. So you are cutting back and forth between scenes. It's, very, it's actually very television <laughs> this whole arc is very much like a television show. Sure. All right. So we're now back at the remains of the press conference. Black Aver claims that their attackers are Altavian forces who are trying to abduct Madison. He's also very curious as to who this Barbara Gordon is and why she's such a good fighter. Diana digs among her unconscious kidnappers and and the supplies that are in the back of the van. She finds a shovel or a spade. And she starts slamming it against the shield between her and her driver. She then waits for one of the thugs to wake up and finds out that, well, they're just hired guns. They have no idea who they're working for. They, and they have no ideals. They're just in it for the money. Barbara is in the air trying to get some answers from people on the ground and from Madison. She lets Madison sleep while she fields a call from Senator Fitzgerald, who tells her that Senator Boucher is dead. And just as he does that, Barbara drops to the floor unconscious. We then cut to Dinah, who uses her sonic scream to blast the back of the van open, but the panicked driver's seat sends it over the side of a bridge and toward a river. Finally, part three, Family Matters.
0: Oh, no, that's a good show.
2: Oh God, that show was horrible. <laughs> kidding me?
0: Oh, boy.
2: So no Steve Urkel in this, but it, so Family Matters, part three, opens with the van dropping into the river. Dinah lands in behind it. She's fine, though. On the plane, Madison wakes up and sees Barbara unconscious. She wakes up and Madison offers to restore her, but Bab says that she might actually not survive another healing. Just then, the pilot comes on the intercom to say that they're being forced to make an emergency landing and that Madison says that Black Aver has found her via a tracking device that he's implanted under her skin. Black Canary resurfaces and hears Oracle's SOS just before her waterlogged comms go on the fritz. She's also pulled all the thugs out of the river, but they are not long for this world because they're all wearing kill collars under their skin. You. And whomever hired them knows they failed in their mission, so their heads all go splat.
0: There's Amanda Waller.
2: The plane lands JFK, and Black Aver walks aboard. Babs tells Madison to run, and Black Aver says, Ah, Miss Gordon, every time I see you, you're going down. Really, Terry? <laughs> she responds by humping she responds by hopping on a food cart with a fire extinguisher and sends herself off the wing of the plane, but then she lands on her back. Out in the sticks, Canary comes across a guy taking a leak near a billboard and steals his motorcycle, but she leaves him a nice note on where to find it. Back at JFK, Black Aver gives the big villain speech, telling Babs his plan to clone Madison and weaponize her powers. Just then, Canary comes flying over the chain link fence on the motorcycle, takes out a few of Black Aver's men, and then comes face to face with Talia. The two fight while Babs makes her move and starts hitting people with the fire extinguisher, and Madison makes a run for it. Black Aver catches up to her, and Madison responds by burning his hands and revealing to the audience that he is her father. Ooh. Talia and Canary continue to fight until Canary throws Talia into a charged up Madison, barbecuing the villainous. Diana picks everyone up, gets them on the motorcycle and takes them away at the, at the white house. Lex is on the phone with Black and says that he's sending two of his assistants to over to help him move to a better facility. That can't be good. No. Then we cut to the Barbara Boucher school for girls. They're dropping Madison off here as it's the boarding school where she's going to live. Babs and Dinah are happy that she's protected, but when Madison enters her dorm room, she sees a dozen roses in a card that reads, Good luck at your new school, Madison. I'm so proud of you and we will call you soon your friend, Talia. The end for now.
0: I just looked at the back of 48 and look, speak of the devil. Ugh. Can you believe that? Well, look at how young he looks. It's He's Tom my age. For people. Well, Tom, where's your milk mustache? <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tom, for doing that lovely synopsis. You're welcome. Okay. So we'll split these guys up. And I do like to talk about the covers. And I think attention should be paid to them because you and I agree that Phil Noto does some amazing work. Now you can, yeah. he's one of those that I can always spot like, oh, that's Phil Noda. So first cover, it is the uh, not hashtag Carolyn knows because we actually see all of Barbara. So that doesn't happen mm-hmm. all of the time. We um, see
1: all
2: of Barbara on all three of these covers.
0: Yes, which is great. And I think it's appropriate given what she goes through or story what learned, her arc yeah. is in, in that story. Uh, we've got Canary hitting, I guess, just an agent. I'm not sure yeah. what's happening up here, unless I think that's supposed the girl. to be Madison you know, okay. the girl. and her uh, and her power and everything. Yeah. Thoughts? And then, on And of course, Lex, who Lex, doesn't play yeah. too much of a part, but he's his floating head right there. Thoughts on this cover and how it's laid out? And would you be able to look at it and be like, oh, I can. Yeah, it matches what the story is about.
2: It does. It tells you some images that are in the story. It's very reminiscent of like George Perez used to do covers like this from time to time, which is this kind of big collage of like things that are associated with the story or events that are in the story. So, yeah, it's fine. It's actually out of the three. It's probably the th- my third favorite of the okay. three. I mean, that's that's really not saying <laughs> they're all beautiful. So it's yeah. like, you know, but but if I if I have to rank them, uh, this is this is toward the, this is the bottom of that list. Mainly because it's it's a little, I think it's just a little busy. It's um, what Babs is looking at off
0: yeah.
2: screen. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, yeah, that he didn't perhaps angle her towards us in the way that mm-hmm. he had angled the floating. Yeah. So that they could have been a mirror image. Otherwise, it would have made more sense to have Lex's like in profile or something like that. Yeah. I also thought of you. It's kind of weird to say that this little black bubble right here, which says oh, yeah. it's in remembrance, or we remember nine eleven. So it had been one year, but I say that because Tom had just produced a really well done
1: mm-hmm. limited nice. series
0: on nine eleven and and different media and things that uh, came about afterwards. Or yeah, mm-hmm. so like poetry and books and everything. And that's on Two True Freaks, so I really recommend listening to that. Okay. Of course. It comes from the heart. What do you think about this first issue here?
2: I thought, like I said, this whole thing felt like three. Alias was on at the time. So (laughs) it reminded me like it had that pace to it. I loved Alias, especially in its first like three seasons. Yeah. And it had that, like, it, it has a great intro of this press conference it's going to set up the whole thing because like the entire second issue takes place with at least with barbara in that building and then they take it out so it's it is a truly like a three-act structure of this story and we we get this establishing shot of the and you know and everything but then like we have dinah just beating somebody up because we just need an action scene of dinah beating somebody up and it totally it totally works it's very much like you know, like how they introduced Natasha in the first Avengers movie. like she's she was in Iron Man two prior prior, but when when Natasha shows up in in Avengers, she's tied to a chair and she just she was you know getting the information out. of everybody yeah. gets the phone call and just beats everybody up. It's just sort of like it's a great establishing thing for 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 Dinah. and it's a great fight too she's beating up this guy who's basically a domestic abuser. We don't really need to know why he's there. He never appears anything else. She just, here's a thug who was in trouble. He was holding this woman hostage. She's coming in and taking care of it. And then that's good. And I I love it. And I love how, you know, she basically essentially answers the phone in the middle of it, et cetera, et cetera. And then we we cut later. So I, I love the opening to this and this sets up everything really well. His whole science mumbo jumbo about the chaotic code or whatever it's just believable enough that i'm like yeah okay you know
3: it's comics yeah
2: yeah you'll go with it okay It's basically she's got she's if this were marvel she'd be a mutant
3: oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, you
2: know she'd be a mutant with healing powers and the healing powers and the the and we don't find out until the next issue that there's a downside to it, and I like the fact that he left that out. That that the the he he had the appropriate cliffhanger at the end of Barbara can feel her legs again, and it was like, ooh. and you had a feeling. I had a feeling, even if I had been reading this only for the first time it didn't have the you know the history of everything that came after after that. You know, I never really read Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. but I knew enough about the title. I saw Barbara in enough in Nightwing Robin like infinite crisis and justice. Like I I knew I'd seen enough of her and I knew enough of her to know that this was not going to be a permanent thing. So it works though, because you're just like, okay, well what's going to go wrong. And and I think that's, that's a really good tease too. When they're like, Oh yeah, I can, I can walk again. You're like,
0: yeah, this isn't going to work. (laughs) So, And yeah, I've got some questions about that in particular. I do. So it's going to be unfair of me for a little bit, but I probably will be comparing subsequent writers to Chuck Dixon, just because he was the one to really begin the era of Birds of Prey. So I will say and and I'm giving, of course, the 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 praise and the props to Terry Moore, but it did feel very Chuck Dixon-esque because Chuck would always have almost a bond-like intro mm-hmm. that may relate to the mission on a whole or it could just be a cold opening. And, and you see that action scene. So I'm glad that he started off like this. And you get a sense that she was on that case for a little bit because she said that he kidnapped Maria and abused her for two days. Yeah. So it seemed like it was it was a you know, a more difficult mission than it may have seemed initially, but just to have that action sequence, you're right. And because otherwise, she kind of doesn't do too much like she she's kidnapped almost. And so she doesn't this is like her, her big action piece. Mm-hmm. And then and then focusing on Barbara. So yeah, the chaotic code. Yeah, it's the answer as to why all matter moves towards chaos. So just so we can be clear about what that actually is. And so Madison is able to manipulate that and and I guess fix things or put them the way they are. What do you think about this wheelchair that Barbara has that because of, I guess, gyroscopes and things like that, she's able to go upstairs and it is Wayne technology. Do you think that's something that it makes sense that she would have? You feel like, oh, maybe Barbara would not use that. You would like to have something that's Barbara powered. Are you okay with this?
2: I'm fine with that. I actually didn't give it much thought. I think the design's pretty cool. I think they make. he makes a quick comment about it being like things like uh, this building should be wheelchair accessible. So it's just kind of a little nudge in that direction, yeah. which I think is a... Is a good thing. The wheelchair doesn't really come into play in the story very much anyway. Like she's, she's in it. And then, and then like, once she gets her feeling the legs back, as far as we know, it's still sitting in the, press conference room in new york city at the, end of the story so yeah. you know she i guess the only thing that that comes in handy in here is there's clearly a compartment or two to hide whatever weapon she needs right. to hide which yes. i think that that to me is a barbara gordon that's a bad girl absolutely thing that was you know and and that that i thought was a was a cool touch because it's like yeah that that in very in character
0: Yes. And hopefully there's security on that wheelchair then Mm -hmm. because who knows what else? Yeah. Because I think a maybe a battering came out, but definitely the nunchucks, which you said nunchucks for some reason. I was like, when I saw them, I thought, yeah, why aren't they a scream of sticks? But I guess we'll we'll, we will go with them. So I think I'm like on, on the fence just because, oh, I don't know. Why can't it just be a regular one? But we know that she has souped up the van that she uses. And I know that there are some tricked out wheelchairs. So I think even though that this may be somewhat fantastical, I think it also borders into realistic. And you're right that, I mean, with Babs being sort of the queen of technology that she would probably have something like that.
2: Yeah. And she's pretty well established by now as Oracle. She's gone through her whole post injury arc. We saw the whole suicide squad arc. So by this time, it would make sense for her to have upgraded to something like this as opposed to, if this were 1989, 1990, it probably wouldn't have made much sense mm-hmm. for her to get like the Professor X type of wheelchair. You know, the one he would, rather than in the early 90s when Professor X was in a wheelchair that was basically like a floating golden sure. space sled you know <laughs> yes. kind of hovered around oh, in that, yeah. yeah yeah that that wouldn't i mean they didn't have the technology here and in, in, in the dc they're trying to ground it no pun intended but had she done that in the early 90s i don't think it would have worked
0: yeah one page that i had a question on is you mentioned that madison had seen she sees barbara and kind of looks to her for help that's how i read it as well um yeah I'm not sure what that this is page 12 on my, um, my paper copy, but yes. does she, why do you think, is it just because Barbara is in the front row or close to it is, can we read anything into it? Like, does she know who Barbara is? Why does she kind of look and see Barbara and think like, Oh, this might be someone that could help me.
2: I don't know how she clues into whether or not she knows who Barbara is. I think it's a little bit of, cause Barbara is staring at her weirdly. Mm-hmm. And she looks at her. And I think the first look is kind of like recognition on Madison's part that she's gonna have to do something to Barbara. Mm. Cause like she I think Madison knows why she's there. Okay. You know, she's there to do the demonstration. So she's looking at Barbara. And I think part of the look is help me, but part of the look is oh crap, I'm gonna have to touch this woman and and do this and and out of concern. The second part is. It's it's part cry for help, almost part warning. It's it, I think there's a couple of things going on there. Maybe she's also trying to warn her, sure, a little bit. Like I think she knows that that what she's going to do is going to ultimately hurt or end or kill. I don't think it kills Barbara because she's probably younger and healthier than the senator mm-hmm. who had the heart problem, and perhaps it was the ailment too. Considering that Barbara's um, Barbara's ailment that's cured is the loss of her feeling in her legs and not a congenital heart failure, like a heart condition. Right. She cured the other woman's heart condition. And all of a sudden it bounced back. And it probably my understanding where well, I'm getting ahead of us, but my understanding of what it is, is that once it comes back, it's actually worse than it had been, or at least at first, where it's a shock at first. So, yeah. so she probably went into cardiac arrest when, when the, when the senator got, got her, the heart condition came back.
0: I, yeah, I can, I, I, believe in you and i I agree with you so let's talk about that scene because there's a lot going on there of course she was barbara was calling into question just madison and what was going on and this chaotic code and all that and then madison walks up to her prodded by atticus and uses her (laughs) manipulation of the chaotic code on her legs so i have several questions about this so first of all do you feel like Barbara gave her consent to have her legs touched like this or to have this happen?
2: I don't, I don't think she really gave her consent. I think it was because she's Madison kneels down in front of her. is right. on page 20. Yeah. And she's like, she's doing that sort of trying to squirm away out of the chair thing. If she could yeah. move out of the chair but is kind of trapped into it. So I, I think she just, she has to, she has no choice but to go along once Madison gets going.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Do you find it weird that Madison is doing her chaotic code touching over the legs, whereas really it's the spine that's the issue for Barbara? <laughs>
2: No, because I think that is just an assumption being made based on what you see in a person in a wheelchair that they somehow can't use their legs. Okay. So on a on a split, like she wouldn't know that the spine, you know, like
0: that it's a spine. Yeah,
2: like she, she doesn't know Barbara. So she sees a woman, she sees this woman in a wheelchair, she automatically thinks there's something wrong with her legs and not doesn't necessarily think about her spine.
0: Okay.
2: So uh, that that makes sense to me.
0: Okay. Do you, so, and you're also fine. Then that, even though she mistakenly is working in that area, that her it would still work.
2: I believe so, especially since the thing covers her like entire body. When on page twenty one, yeah, page twenty one, yeah, it's like the the light of whatever it envelops her whole body. And I know sure. that's done for effect to show the healing that's working. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is like an electrical charge throughout, perhaps it does. You know, yeah was that cons- the feeling.
0: yeah was that consistent with the senator too was that all over her yeah that was her whole body too i see yeah okay um so then my final question about this particular scene is that barbara's grateful she is grateful for this she says i don't know i know this won't last but i feel thank you and i do you agree that you know she would probably be grateful knowing that it Would wear off at at a point in time? Or do you think that would be even more painful giving her this temporary gift for her to experience what it was like only to have that taken away from her?
2: I think she's I think she's kind of not thinking it through when she says thank you. It's almost like a heat of the moment type of thing. Like she's. Genuinely shocked that this happened, no pun intended, on a previous panel. But she's like really surprised. She's like, yeah. "Oh my!" I can feel my legs. Like mm-hmm. I don't think she expected it to happen. So when that surprise happens, she's still skeptical. She's like, "This isn't going to last."
3: Yeah,
2: it's almost like a genie granting a wish or something. It's it's like you know. It, but it, there's there's a euphoria in the moment, and I think she's in the moment. So it tracks with me, uh especially since she's surprised it actually, you know. Well, it didn't didn't happen at all. Yeah. I mean that she she was pretty I don't think she thought it was gonna happen. So sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean her, her first well, it seems like there's some feeling. I don't know if it's pain maybe or just like a weird sensation, but she does mm-hmm. scream out ah and then she says, My God, what have you done? And then once that shock wears over, I think there's this new like, Oh my gosh, I can feel my legs. So yeah. Yeah, I just have a trouble, I think, reconciling, I guess, this gratefulness with the fact that she knows it's going to wear off and just how painful that is, in fact, going to be, which I think we see it. I think Terry Moore does a good job later on. Mm -hmm. I guess it'd be 49 where it does wear off. And she's like, oh, my gosh,
2: I am going to no prize it by saying that along with the physical cure, Mm -hmm. there's a almost like a, a high like a psychological high that's going on. Okay. So you are kind of blissed out because of what happened. And in that moment, you're not thinking rationally of like, so if, if he said like, we have a complicated surgical procedure that we're going to do for you to give your legs back from blah, blah, blah. She probably would have thought about it through. and been like, no, 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 this isn't right. going to happen. I'm not going to do a blah, blah, blah. Like we could have had that more intellectual conversation, but to be completely honest, I think it's just, I think she gets zapped and in the zap it's maybe it's adrenaline or maybe it's something else, but there's some sort of sense of euphoria that comes in there. And that's, so that's my no prize. There's a, there's a psychochemical reaction in addition to the physical.
0: Yeah. I can get on board with your no prize. <laughs>
2: Final it question. makes the crash when they come down yeah, even, even more worse. potent, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My last question kind of bleeds over to the next issue, but I just wonder why Dinah never really used her canary cry initially. Like there were several instances where I thought, "Why aren't you using your canary cry? <laughs> you could get yourself out of this situation."
2: Does she? Um, does she need to recharge? Is it something like she does? It's a last resort. I don't know. I don't I haven't been reading enough of it to know the extent of her powers is it like one of those things where she can she only can use it so every so often or else she you know like it has to recharge itself or I'm, She I'm should
0: gonna... be good to go. I mean the whole okay. reason why she was healed because she was dropped in that Lazarus pit so she's okay. I don't so think she can re- just I, yeah and she didn't use it at all in this issue not even with yeah. that Did she use it with that guy? I don't think no, so. No,
2: she didn't yeah. I don't think she used it at all. I don't know maybe she Maybe she just thought it wasn't really gonna be that much of a hard problem,
0: okay,
2: like maybe she just maybe she uh, underestimated their ability to get her yeah
0: so she's and she is surrounded cocky. at least so that she would have had to do like a weird 360 yeah she's, in the end.
2: It, and then in that last page, there's no way she's she can yeah. take out one or two, but the others are gonna she's in a um a rock in a hard place here a bit um, wearing a very two thousands outfit.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll just wait till her costume gets shredded. <laughs> Any other thoughts on 47 before we move on to 48?
2: No, but I, I will say that I, I like Amanda. I've always liked Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti as artists. Um, I think I first encountered, encountered them when they did. They were doing Power Girl. It might have been oh, in yeah. the JSA comic, and not just the Power Girl comic, but I, I Power Girl was the uh, was the character I remember. Amanda Connor from I remember Jimmy Palmiotti going back into the early '90s when he was inking um, Joe Quesada, you know, on quite a bit from like Valiant, Marvel, and he and Palmiotti's been around since like the late '80s on Marvel and early '90s in Marvel, just inking things over and over so i've always loved his his stuff and i've always liked her so this it was kind of cool to see this um they're a good match for terry moore and they're a good match for the tone that terry moore uses yes because it's 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 dangerous but it's fun yeah and that's what i'm getting
0: out of this yeah yeah absolutely okay on to 48 here's the cover here we've got a half oracle mask half back symbol slash maybe battering with a red circular background. Not sure about mm-hmm. that circle, but it could be if it's in line with this beginning, maybe representing Madison and her power, the chaotic code. Maybe
2: I do have to show you this. So I, I have it on DC infinite. And when you get to the last page of each, each issue on DC infinite, it's an ad for various birds of prey trades, including um, a the Gail Simone run with that illustration by Advenis.
0: Oh, there you go. Um,
2: I don't, that's it's it's funny like i don't remember barbara's breast ever being that buxom (laughs) it's just like it's like and and she's got one button in on that it's it's very um yeah Yeah. uh it's not jim Valent, but you know valent, but it's it's still it's just crazy because like with canary i'm like okay and and then i never liked the midriff bearing hunter's costume either by the way um it just seems so unnecessary
0: (laughs) sure well gotta sex them up somehow
2: (laughs) anyway but yeah yeah I always like the one that Helena was wearing like in the 90s, like the around like no man's land and stuff like that. That or before that, you know, the it's just the purple and the black under yeah. it. Just yeah, you know, I was thought that was really cool. I like that character too.
0: Oh, finally. I think we've had discussions. Yeah. But this, yeah, we've got a full-bodied Barbara Gordon pose. This is probably when she has thrown herself out of the window. So there's yes. the broken glass and everything in Madison hanging on. Um, not really sure what's going to happen since she's not connected yeah. to a line, but very action oriented, giving that to Barbara, which I think is, is great. And something we've n- probably not seen with the exception of birds of Prey number eight with mm-hmm. Barbara before. So very cool there.
2: Yeah. It's a really cool cover. It's hard for me to choose between this, and the next one. Cause I really like the drama that's on the next one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I really do. I really do like this, the, the bat girl. And I think that's a bat girl and Oracle symbol behind them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I like the fact that she, you know, she's, she is looking down. It's just very, it's very well, well composed. And the, the fear on Madison's, you know, yeah. eyes and stuff. It's, it's a really, really cool. This is a, this is one of those, you know, You'll notice this on the stand type
0: of covers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Another, I, I'm I'm getting really sort of nitpicky on some of these things here, but she she is going crazy with a lot of these uh, action mm-hmm. moves. She is loving it, so I really feel lots of roll as um, Barbara Gordon. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is great. But I also feel like she was just healed shouldn't her legs be really weak and difficult to control, but she seems to be doing okay. Are you, we're just going with it. You think we're just going.
2: I, I think, I honestly think it's like it's whatever Marison's powers are. It's almost like an overcorrection or it's something. And then that's why the crash is so huge. Yeah. So because the senator was like, I feel younger than ever. And it's, oh, I think cool, honestly, yeah. it just shot through. So there's a lot of adrenaline pumping. Yep. And it's not like she's been, you know, she's been, her legs might be weak to a certain extent. And those first few moves before she does the split kick on page five, she's got her legs tucked as if they had just come out of the wheelchair. So she's almost, using mostly her arm strength there. Mm-hmm. So that does sure. the batarang came out, the, the grappling hook or whatever it came out. And then she pulls herself up. So she's, she's actually going on instinct because she hasn't had the use of her legs. And it's not until she's in a position where she starts kicking and then running. So it's not like she stood up and started running at everybody. I thought that was yeah. a pretty cool. And it establishes the fact that there's some sort of line hanging there. So when they jump out the window, yes. she has it. Because I was for a split second, I was like, when I was reading through it, I had to go back. I was like, where did they get the Batarang from? Yeah. It's like back in the day when like you'd see Spider Man swinging across, and you're just like, where is that connected to, Peter? Yeah. Like, you know, Batman has a few. Uh, Panels of that here and there, especially the Norm Brayfogle era, which I love. But there are some panels where I'm like, where are you swinging from?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's just levitating. i right in. Like Dua Lipa. Yeah, for sure. I, I love it. I think just the joy, the unadulterated mm-hmm. joy on her face, I think really just brings yeah. it back. And and that's absolutely, I think, what someone would feel if they if they were to get back something that they had lost. And I think the joy of also saving someone and being like that uh, in charge of your agency Mm -hmm. and in control. Whereas normally she's been behind the computer and Donna has been the one in the field. So it's a nice role Mm -hmm. reversal. Donna's not necessarily leading anything, but she's kind of off, you know, on the side, she's benched a bit because she's kind of trapped in there and, and Barbara's really in control of this. So it's very cool. I did like how, because when she was doing all this, I thought, man alive, is no one going to question how you're doing this? But I'm glad that Terry Moore had Atticus say, you know, who are you, Barbara Gordon? Because he had been watching and like, this is a little unusual that this woman is all of a sudden gets her chaotic code changed, but she leaps into action as if she's done this before. I don't know mm-hmm. if that will carry on with anything, but I mean, he didn't. I have
2: no idea if this guy yeah. shows up at all from here on out. So your guess is good as mine.
0: Yeah. Where I was reading it, I initially not in the paper run, but someone had said that. And I guess this is really for after 49 that Madison never pops up again. So even though it seems like something could happen, especially with Tali and that letter or mm-hmm. and the roses she left, I guess she doesn't pop up again. But I'll wait and see rather than trust people on in the interwebs. So you mentioned in your synopsis how you were going back and forth because, of course, the story itself goes back and forth. And I could yeah. ask this for any of these issues, but do you feel like the formatting of the story is fine? Is it is it jarring that it goes back and forth between scenes, Barbara and Dinah, and, and what's going on, action and non action to a certain extent?
2: No, because we've established that they're the two. It's a it's a book with two main characters, so each character has their share of the plot, and they're both off. They're both off panel. Dinah is involved with the issue. So it's not like it's a solo Babs adventure. She actually is part of the story. So we do need to see where she, we need to see what's going on with her, especially when the press conference, like having her be kidnapped by these guys in the van works really well because when the press conference goes, you know, foobar, you want to know where Dinah is. Mm -hmm. It's like, why isn't she busting in with the canary cry? It's like, Oh, she's being held hostage. So that, that, adds to that 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 provides a realism and then you know just like i said just like a really good episode of television you have a few minutes of this and then you cut back to and here's where barbara is and here's there and so you have and you might have a a commercial between somewhere but yeah the um it's it's well edited Mm -hmm. if this were if this were a show would have been very well edited
0: yeah and it's really interesting how different it is in the the fact that barbara and dinah are really not in contact with one another or no communication so leading up to this yeah that's just something that's been very consistent unless they're just in a no radios or radio, radio silent situation but here mm-hmm. they've been trying but it's just failed and so the scenes are separate they're in different things there's one i do like how the i don't know if it's this one oh it must be where the plane that barbara is in passes over where the truck is which i thought it was pretty interesting I'm pretty sure it was this one. Yes. um, And it's just like a little blink and you miss it situation. I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I'm flipping through. I thought it was near the end before she falls off the bridge.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I can't find it, but I know the exact panel that you were thinking of. Oh, well.
0: That's okay. Believe us that that exists, that they pass. And it's just really interesting that they're in the same space at one point, but they just can't communicate. So. Okay. Uh, I guess my final on this one is the emotion. D- does Terry Moore as well as the artist, capture the emotion? I have it on page uh, eighteen, nineteen of when Barbara mm. realizes that, Oh, it's going to wear off and it could be fatal. And then it actually wearing off and her collapsing. How, how do you feel? Is that scene successful?
2: I think it is because it's a, it's a progression over several panels. So it's the last three panels on page 18 and she's Mm -hmm. Madison's fallen asleep and she's kind of just looking at her. It's a very sweet sort of look like, you know, she obviously cares for, for this girl. And then all of a sudden, like the, she's hit by a pain and just the, the beads of sweat and her looking down. And then when you flip it to the next thing or her, yeah it's just like she's getting progressively weaker over the course of the uh seven or eight panels on the uh on the page to the point where she collapses so it's i think that's i think that's done very nicely dramatically um Mm -hmm. you know they could have they could have very well had her be like my legs and then the next panel she's out but they had her they had her fall down um uh, gradually over the course of a of a few panels, and that I think that adds to the drama.
0: Do you think there's any resentment? I'm, I'm just looking at this one panel in the middle there that she actually looks back at Madison as she's sleeping. And it's not like the face looks really angry or anything, but I just wonder, you know, does she ever give a last look of like, oh man, so it's worn off? You did this to me?
2: Or I, is just like, I think she's starting to put two and two together, but I think she passes out before it really, yeah, she can really express it.
0: Man, she's,
2: it's kind of like an oh my god look, sort of like. Like it's shock in a different way. And then yeah. she's out conscious. Like she's unconscious. It's like the last thing she thinks of before she, yeah. she loses consciousness.
0: Which is interesting. She knew all to a certain extent that was gonna happen all along. But I think knowing mm-hmm. and almost understanding are two different things or like experiencing mm-hmm. it. So Uh, My last thing is just that this, even though it's not drawn by Terry Moore, just feels like a very Terry Moore drawing that he would make. (laughs) Like I can see (laughs) you on the back of there or something, holding on to that and and her face. Yeah. So anything else on 48 before we get to the last issue?
2: No, but I mean, again, it's a great cliffhanger, Mm -hmm. so to speak. You know, we got the Babs cliffhanger in issue... Forty-seven. We get the Dinah one here and I love the line, will you ever learn it? Timing, timing, timing. He gives her a real, he gives a real wit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's, she's very funny. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and, and she has a. There's an arrogance about her character that's very attractive, you know. If yeah. if, if you know, like, there's something sure. very endearing about how cocky she is throughout yeah. the first couple of issues of this storyline, and how she just brash she is, and it's and it's very endearing as opposed to obnoxious.
0: It's yeah, certainly not a guy gardener. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, for sure. So, do you think that three issues was good for this arc then? Do you feel like it's it's well spaced? We didn't have any yeah. sure It's all good. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's it's not like because you know we're we're right. This is what two thousand two, right? So yeah. we are just on the cusp of like the beginning of the writing for the trade era, mm-hmm. where you're going to start getting like regular six issue storylines and things like that. Because um, I think this is right before bendis launches ultimate spider-man or am i maybe maybe they're already launched by then i don't remember what your ultimate spider-man started but like to me that's one of the first like true like Mm -hmm. you know because that was a decompressed storytelling more and more storytelling over the course of his career from series to series has become more and more decompressed okay those first few strangers in paradise trades take a lot longer to read than the ones at the end and like an issue of rachel rising serial take a little don't take very long to read mm-hmm. at least go on a first read through you just go through pretty quickly so he's he's adapted the times that he's found a nice middle here it's a it's a good just tight three episodes and it's truly a guest spot you know you can do something with it but you got to put the toys back the way they were yeah yeah you know, nothing really fundamentally changes about them mm-hmm. and but it doesn't need to because it's just a really cool it's like i said it's like a really cool episode of a show
0: yeah couple of
2: episodes of the show in fact it's probably like one episode if you really think about it with a couple of key commercial breaks right in the
0: clip yes (laughs) oh those commercial breaks yeah Yeah, absolutely okay so then our final one 49 you might be your favorite one but we've got the clock tower behind Atticus and Atticus Mm -hmm. is looming over Barbara who is on the ground she's lost the feelings of her legs and then of course the her wheelchair is back there as well and then the contrast there of the the green and the I like the color yeah um, for sure
2: he, I think they did a good job with this villain character they made him they they didn't make him slimy mad scientist bond villain mad scientist that they didn't uh, like you know so he's a little but he's a little bit skeezy he's a little bit of a skeezy uh Steve Jobs or something so <laughs> But I, I like the contrast in color here. I do like the fact that he kept Barbara's hair completely red as usual, so there's mm-hmm. that clue. Uh, it works really well. Just the normalcy of her clothes and her body on the cover. It's just a very natural looking mm-hmm. figure. Like her butt's not popping out, you know. It's which is it's stupid to say. Oh, well, the anatomy's all correct, but like you know, it's it's just it it looks like. And he's looming ominously. Ominously, so it's a really dramatic cover. That's why I like both of the last two. There, there's there's appropriate moments of drama yep. in each of them.
0: Speaking of butt shots, I don't know if you noticed, but there were um, many Amanda Connor butt shots, and I was wondering it's what's up. With that? <laughs> Is that, that just something Connor? she yeah. does? I, mean, I, I guess I'm not as well versed. She in her. does.
2: She does. Yeah, she's very good at. It's fun in a way that's not the sort of pervy. Greg Land, oh sure, drawing from porn <laughs> type of stuff. I mean, it's uh, it's really really good because um, it, because it, it like again it matches the tone. It's 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 silly and cheesecakey in in some ways and stuff. We, that's why like she has all she clearly has a lot of fun with Power Girl yeah. when she draws Power Girl later on. Um, and she does draw Starfire. I believe I know she was like that. They did the Starfire um, series that was part of the New Fifty Two.
3: Oh, or it was part of the
2: DCU. Yeah. It was like, you know, it was, it was yeah, after the, so I had, I had a couple of issues with that. I know I, I read the first few issues and then don't remember why I didn't read the rest. Um, Cause I remember enjoying it. I think I just missed a few and whatever, but um, I know Shag liked it.
0: I'm sure he did. <laughs> I will say I do enjoy battle damaged Dinah. This
2: is so fun. I actually like this sequence because of the fact that, you know, there are certain artists who have worked for DC and or Marvel who were writers who would have shown that and just the splatter of blood, like just that three panels is really good because you get your your that's the whole brain fills you in on how gross that is. You yeah. don't need to see the head pop off yes um, on any of them. And it's just like, oh wow, that is that is cruel.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah, I guess that's true of, what was it? Uh, Death in the family. The fact that they never really showed the crowbar connecting, but it was like your mind fills it in. So it's off panel. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty horrific.
2: Yeah. And this is a much gorier take on the spy villain trope of having like the fake tooth that's a cyanide capsule or something (laughs) you know what i mean like they've got the they've got the the suicide pill in their in their cheek or whatever and they they bite down on it and all of a sudden they're foaming at the mouth so no this is like no um they've implanted collars under his skin it's gonna pop our heads off
0: but are they the ones doing it though it doesn't seem like they're in charge of the destroying no
2: no somebody has Somebody has triggered it. That's what I was saying. Somebody triggered this. That's why they're so scared. They're like, oh my God, they're going to kill us.
0: It seems like the, this is a question that I just didn't understand. It seemed like the airplane crash, like it doesn't land well. And I know that it needed to make an emergency landing, but it really need to be, didn't really need to crash. It was just being forced down by another plane. Uh, Did you have any thoughts on whether or not this made sense or do you have any insight?
2: I. We didn't like see smoke
0: it. coming from it.
2: Yeah, we didn't see it crash. So, no.
0: I just thought it would um, just land on the runway, but it didn't.
2: Yeah. By the way, page three is where you see the bridge.
0: Oh yeah, there There's it is plane. with the plane up there. So I was like, yeah. oh, so they're connected. But and no.
2: people and people are standing out watching. I think I think they are. They are essentially literally forced down. Yeah. By the other plane. I don't think they're hit with anything, so I would imagine that just the aggressive nature of what looks like a jumbo jet. You know, that's okay. not that's yeah. not a small. That's like a yeah, it's know, a seven forty seven or something. There's a big plane. I think the bigger plane pushing on the other plane. I don't know how the physics work, but I would imagine that it, yeah. if if it doesn't, that's gonna it's forcing it to the ground. Yeah, and that it that it kind of knocks it out of the air, basically.
0: Since Ted's might just be <laughs> one of those private planes.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a private jet.
0: Well, I've got a personal question for you as a man. So I'm glad you're on here. Now, as a man, if you had to go tinkle, would you tinkle in such an obviously public area of the road like this? I mean, in front of a billboard, right on the berm, as some people like to say. I'd go off into the, I'd go behind
2: a tree. That's what
0: I'm thinking too. I couldn't believe it. Yeah,
2: that's actually kind of funny because (laughs) you could have still done the, you could have still done the, the billboard, the bike. Dinah grabbing it. And then another panel of the guy running out of the woods.
0: Yeah. yeah. Up, hey, that's my butt.
2: You know, so <laughs> either way, it's either way it works. Yes. It's, it's supposed to be a funny moment. And I like the fact that she leaves a note.
0: Yeah. I like how she says that it will be taken care of. You can collect her tomorrow. Doesn't she say that? Maybe she doesn't. She's a beaut. You can collect her. No worry. She'll be safe. Yeah. But when you next see her, she's like thrown <laughs> the motorcycle down in order to do she comes flying over the more and then
2: does the skid across it's a total it's, boss action move. You know? It is,
0: but I'm like, Oh man, she lied about that to the, uh, the guy there for sure. Uh, it's Oh yeah. Right 12. there.
2: Yes, yeah. She on does the it. She takes about, she scores and the crowd goes crazy. And the third panel is her oh,
0: yeah,
2: looking is up too. at between Tolly's. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, of course, of course. Oh, man. So, yeah, we can talk about Talia. So I had thought like, oh, is this is Talia al Ghul, just because yeah. I guess that's me not knowing too many Talia DC characters. And I thought clearly it must be. But did would impression. Babs not have known that this was Talia? And why wouldn't she have said something at the at the press conference?
2: Like, why is- I would imagine that if she's working for President Luther, it's public knowledge and it's been so for a while. Okay. And I get the impression, and I unfortunately I didn't read Superman at the time. I think the only I didn't read a lot. I've I've read Our Worlds at War, which is the crossover Lex's president at that point. The only other story I remember reading with President Lex was a two-parter between Detective and Action. I think it was where Batman and Lois Lane break into the White House to steal the Kryptonite, steal a Kryptonite ring or something Mm -hmm. from. So it's it's actually I remember it being a really fun story. I have a feeling that somewhere along the line, it's because he was he didn't seize power. He was elected president, you know. So like legitimately elected president. So I think those in the Justice League who would be alarmed by this had to say like, we really our hands are tied. So you name Talia Al Ghul as your chief of staff or whatever she is. And you just kind of like. There's only so, like, we have to be aware of her, but there's only, we really can't do anything. We can't arrest her. Mm. Like, she's like, so, so unfortunately, he's, he's skating around the legality, you know, that, you know, these are awful people, but they get away with it because of of the position. (laughs) Sure. Which has never happened in government.
0: No, 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 it hasn't. Oh, you kind Mm-mm. of have a panty shot. I don't think I can show it. You can kind of see the panties. The garter. But anyway, well, there's a garter, yes. But then you can see the panties. You can see it. Okay. Anyway, that's fine. Oh, yes,
2: <laughs> yes, you can.
0: Jeez, I did White like that.
2: panties with black garters, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. I oh wow, that?
0: Tom, 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 Tom. Anyways, I did like that fight scene. I I don't know if I've ever seen Dinah versus Tolly. I'm sure I have. Was she in that? With the Ubu. That was Bane. I don't know. But I mean, those two seem pretty evenly matched, but I would mm. also say maybe Dinah would be a bit more skilled in the martial arts.
2: Well, she, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know if the league of assassins thing applies in the comics. I know it's been to movies and television with, with Ross al Ghul and Talia al Ghul, but I would imagine that she's a, she's kind of like a, like in the, in the seventies and eighties, and whatever. And she's kind of like a bond girl, oh. but like one of the, one of the bond girls, like, like one of the more s- skillful, Almost like spy who loved me, type. And
0: we're talking about uh, we're, Talia, right?
2: Talia, yeah. Okay. So she's like, you know, she's like the 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 killer bond girl, you know. Yeah. So so I would imagine that she's and she's been working for her father for so many years. She's pretty. She's like, I would. I'm not saying she's like Lady Shiva level,
0: yeah,
2: but she's definitely up there in terms of her skills. She can probably take on somebody like Tal, but like Dinah, and, and yeah. they're they're fighting to a near standstill. They have to get. Yeah. They have to get really down and dirty (laughs) on page 16. They're like, they're basically, she's shoving her face into the grass. I mean, that's how dirty they have to fight for somebody to get the upper hand. And that, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah.
0: Probably top five, top five fighter. You think
2: I would say she, a female fighter you know, or or fighter overall. Yeah. She's definitely, definitely in the top five, top 10. And And these, so these two are evenly matched. Yeah. It's a good fight too.
0: Yes. So again, she gets to, Oh, so it's a nice, you call it a framing structure i call it a ring composition but the story starts off with dina fighting and it ends with dina fighting so that mm. works well and we also see that madison not only has uh, this chaotic code is not only defensive or perhaps passive but active as well which i'm surprised that tall i mean they're not going to kill off talia al but yeah. i'm just surprised that she did not die with this electrocution or whatever happened because atticus lost his hands which is pretty vicious so that was, um, that was pretty interesting. But it is kind of comical to see this. It's like a it's Looney very, situation. It is
2: very Looney <laughs> you know, I can hear the the little blink, blink noise when she's like blinking her eyes. And yeah. she's like, oh, you know, yeah. It's, it's, uh, she's been roasted like Dabby Duck, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> How do you? I,
2: I love the fact that Dinah just goes with oh, her finger yeah. on the bottom of 18. She's like, and well, you're no fun anymore. She just over. knocks her over.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. How do you feel or how should Barbara feel? Do you feel fronted for her that she is slung over the gas tank of the motorcycle like a sack of potatoes? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> she hates
2: it. I bet she does. I hear dia, like she's so um, it it's it's it makes for a good comedy because of all the all the. Um, the air balloon uh, yeah. Lord balloons around it they're all fighting you know it's yeah it's it's it, it works because it's just it's supposed to be a funny yeah um, funny drive away. so yeah
0: I like she that. says when I get back on my own wheels again you are so toast so it's probably yeah. really true. I don't know when her foot was bandaged. I also wonder when she lost her shoe, but I, I'll believe it, uh, but that was a that was a fun detail. The final question about Barbara. Oh, and that scene just like smells of Terry Moore, and I could totally see a bunch of like, Casey <laughs> Bean with you know there and Kachi. Casey and Francine
2: and Kachu, Kachu's yeah. driving.
0: Yeah, we have to talk about Barbara's hairstyle because my chief hairstyle and clothing correspondent, Professor Allen, always likes to talk about that. Do you like her hairstyle throughout this story?
2: The weird barrettes—they're like something out of Drew Barrymore—were really <laughs> bugging me. It was very really? it was like, yeah, I was like, what is this hairstyle?
0: So but no the, barrettes.
2: Yeah, once once it's it's they're they're on there for the first couple of issues. They've fallen out by the end. Okay. Um, you can see one in the butt shot on the plane. I bet. Um, on page mm-hmm. nine, you can see it on her left hand side, but I think. But I like the fact that they've fallen out of her hair by the time um, the issue's over because she's been knocked around a little bit. Um, but yeah, but the but after that, with her hair just kind of being the way it is, I have to. It's uh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, gee, no, well, this, I, at first I thought, oh my gosh, she turned into a punk walker at the end. (laughs) She's got that black heart heart broken heart shirt and it's up and spiked. That one doesn't seem as Barbara E to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, put a, put a nose ring in and maybe she's about to go to a club and undercover, but all the other hairstyle, like her, the Bob is like, that's kind of classic. It's, it's,
2: it's pulled back. Yeah. It's not spiky. It's it's pulled back, and I think it's just kind of in a in a. Her hair is too short for a true ponytail, so it's in kind of a pom pom on the back of her head, which is being kind of squished by her wheelchair anyway. So, and then she's got kind of the the, the strands going. Which is very comic book How many women in comic books have these strand of hair falling in front of the face?
0: 90s. I was just watching yeah. Scream 2, and one of the characters, I'm like, why, why do you have these tendrils down here? Are they not annoying to you? But I guess that's, that yeah, was 97, so I guess it, that's just it.
2: Yeah, it's a ton of, it's of something of the yeah. time, yeah.
0: For sure. Any other thoughts on this particular issue? Would you be interested? How about, sorry, I cut you off, but mm. would you be interested in seeing more of Madison? Like, does that intrigue you, that ending?
2: A little bit, but only if Terry Moore were staying on it because yeah. I can see some other writer getting, seeing this, getting a Birds of Prey run, and all of a sudden she comes back as mm. like, siren strike with lie, then is like killing people or something. I see. You know, like, you know, like I can see the sort of, Heel turn of like you know um you know like and, and a really bad costume i mean maybe i read yeah. too many bad books in the early 90s but like you know so that there's there are so many there there are ways in which this could go really really foul if you yeah. pick, or somebody else picked up this thread so the fact that it's a, a one-and-done storyline is, is is fine yeah for sure
0: any other thoughts on 49 before i guess we look at the whole story and give it a rating
2: no no i i really uh just kind of flipping through it. Um, the best part of it is the Talia Black Canary fight. They give like three or four pages to that. And it's a really yeah. good fight,
3: <laughs> which I'm glad. Yeah,
0: I would say that as well as Barbara kicking butt inside mm-hmm. of the the building mm-hmm. and just like seeing her reclaim. I think her legs and and the back row legacy is, is yeah. really
2: special. I like the. I do like the bit with the plane and the and the and the catering cart the flight attendant cart on the uh, fire with the fire extinguisher because I
0: think, yeah, she should have known it was going to happen, but yeah,
2: I I think she just, I think she just got a little overconfident there. didn't realize how high up off the ground, the plane's (laughs) wing was because she goes tippy tumbles over and I'm amazed. She doesn't have a concussion. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) how are you conscious? Yeah. (laughs) You know, how did you just go (laughs) smack against the pavement and just I'm I'm out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It, That probably would have been where she lost her shoe. So I don't know where she lost it, but she has both shoes on there. And there was this, I I hesitate to call it a game, but at governor's school, which I went to uh, during high school, I went part-time to governor's school, which was science Mm -hmm. and mathematics and then came over to my home school for the, the social sciences. There was this program called Vector Jockey. And it was all about, it did not make sense until you were in physics, but you had this like little plane and well, really it was like a spaceship and only a certain amount of fuel and you had to get some places by using vectors because you of course are in space so you're like using the propulsion to help you but that's what it reminded me of using mm-hmm. that propulsion to push it backwards well out of 10 I guess your final thoughts and then out of 10 what chaotic codes do you want to do chaotic sure. codes? how how would you rate 47, 48, and 49 as a, as a whole
2: story as a whole story indeed. This is pretty high because it's a, I'd say, I'd say a nine because honestly, I don't know. I don't know if like in the greatest context of Birds of Prey, if this matches up with everything else, Mm. as a standalone. So that's why I'm kind of knocking it down a point because I'm not as up on my, this is honestly, I think these are the first three issues I've ever read unless it ever crossed over with a Batman book. At one point in the 90s, so I'm like, okay, so maybe it might not be the best representation, so I'm kind of holding that point, but um, as a three-issue story arc, yeah, like I said, this is a really tight, it reminds me of a really tight, fun hour of an action-adventure television show from around this time, and it's like Alias or something, and I, yeah. that's why I really, really liked it.
0: Yeah. I I would agree with you. I think, you know, I still have some potential questions um, about the chaotic code and and Barbara and everything. I would probably give this an 8.5, but it carries on the tone. I think that Chuck Dixon had set out with birds of prey that there are some lighthearted moments as well, but then there are some it's, it could be a serious story as well. I'm sad that Barbara and Dinah are really separated on this mission until the end that they come together. But I think that also makes it a unique story and that they have been for several issues, several arcs, they've been pretty close in contact with one another. So this is like, mm-hmm. oh, what's it like when they're actually on the same mission but they're separated mm-hmm. and don't know that they're on the same mission. So I think there are um, some unique things. And and Terry, I think, captures this the spirit of Birds of Prey. So 8.5 out of 10 chaotic codes. <laughs> okay, so before we take a break, I just have two listener emails that came to me. Mail Here's the
2: mail, it never fails, it makes me want
3: to
0: wag my tail, when it comes I want to First is from Shana, now Shana used a swears word, so I shall say the swears word, but it shall be bleeped in the podcast, okay, so Tom, don't be alarmed, okay, so... <laughs> Hi, Stella. I just want to email and say thank you for all the work you put into Back the Oracle. I recently discovered your podcast this last year and pretty much lost my knowing that there was such a high quality. I know. Consistent podcast focused on my favorite comic book character. I've listened to many of your past episodes and I've enjoyed following you in real time. Your love for Barbara Gordon, your choice in guests and interview skills. Look, Tom, she's praising you all make for such an amazing listening experience. I'm a huge fan of podcasts and talk radio, also Latin and the classics. And you really have created something I enjoy from multiple angles. It might, might not mean much coming from a stranger on the internet, but your podcast has meant so much to me as it has provided so much entertainment and joy for me over the last year. Thank you. I can't wait for you to get to Gail Simone's Birds of Prey run. I am a huge fan of both her BOP run and her Baccarol run, and so I am very curious to hear your opinions, and I am excited to follow along with Baccarols in real time with you. Thank you again, and I hope you have a great start to your new year. All the best, Shana. And I have to say that I, I told Shannon I emailed her back thanking her for that, which I really mean i'm i'm glad i mean my hope of course is that my podcast you know entertains brings joy brings escapism and and teaching as well but i've this i probably should just be best friends with that person if she you know you've got the bat girl you've got the latin got the classics that's best friends right there so anyways thank you so much for writing to me shanna and then we've got ian prime aka ian miller he says, Dear Stella and Carolyn Knows, very sorry to hear about Carolyn's health issues and hope that things improve. I greatly enjoyed the retrospective on the Birds of Prey by Dixon Run ending the examination of the old and new issues, particularly Batgirls. I'm very glad that it got some high Cup Nudes ratings from you. I also quite enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to the next issue eagerly, Ian. So there you go. Yeah. And we'll see what issue number two has to, has to offer. I do need to, I ask Mr. Dixon if he will come back on so I can talk about his run as a whole now that we're, we're done. And also when Shag was on there, I don't know if you've listened to that, but Shag was bringing up some good points of like, that was a weird arc for, or storage for Chuck to end on. So what was going on Mm. with that? Did he leave of his own accord or not? So I'll have to get him back on here, but
2: who was writing Nightwing around this time? Was it still him or was it Devin Grayson yet?
0: It's Devin now.
2: It is Devin. So yeah. maybe he, and he, I think he might, there was a period where he was not writing for DC at all. And this might've been the beginning of it. So I don't know what happened. I okay. don't know if he left of his own volition or if he just kind of was shown the door, if they were like cleaning house at DC at the time or something.
0: What a person to try to clean house of though. Chuck yeah, Dixon of well, all I, people. I,
2: I'm not sure because I'm trying to remember what the timing was, especially since editorial changed hands over the course of the few years that you're covering right now. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Not that
0: I'm not criticizing you for that idea. I'm just saying, like, if that's true, Chuck Dixon of all people would be like, hey, we're going to get rid of you. That'd be crazy. Yeah,
2: I don't know. So, I don't know. I don't know if it was contract was up or what. Yeah. So, but yeah, it does seem like this dovetails him leaving Birds of Prey, dovetails with him possibly leaving the other books he was writing.
0: Nightwing. So. So. Okay. Well, Tom and I are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we will cover one modern quickie, which is Nightwing, and then a full review of Backeroll's number two. But first, we have Zaius's Radio Hour featuring <gasps> Locking Up the Sun by Poets of the Fall. See you soon. Okay, welcome back. Part two of two. We are going to look at Nightwing. Just go through it quickly as I normally do and chat about some stuff that happens and then spend the bulk of our time on Batgirls number two. And I will say that Barbara doesn't appear in Batman 119 or Urban Legends. But if you are a fan of Maps Mizuguchi, if you remember her from Gotham Academy, there is an amazing backup of her in Batman 119, and I think it's maybe going to be a six-part story or so. So I would just suggest reading that. But yeah, let's talk about Nightwing 88. So this is Get Grace in Act 2. Writer Tom Taylor, artist Bruno Redondo, and colorist Adriana Lucas. The synopsis from the publisher, the blue stripes are back. Nightwing gets an updated suit starting this issue. Meanwhile, after the distressing events of rescuing Haley a.k.a. Batwing, Bitewing, sorry, from getting dog-napped by bad guys, Nightwing discovers there are way more hits on Dick Grayson than he realized, thanks to going public about his fortune, and he needs to find a clever way to be Dick Grayson and Nightwing at the same time. Meanwhile, Heartless tries to buy power away from Blockbuster in order to take control of Bloodhaven, and both of these big bads have Nightwing in their crosshairs so remember I don't do a review of this but it's just an amazing book it's probably one of my fa- I mean I would say it's my favorite you know Backrolls. I think that sounds like a betrayal so I would say now you know Batgirls is is tied with it but it's certainly something that has given me hope and a renewed faith in DC comics but what before I even start this what has your experience been of this current era this Tom Taylor era I guess I'll say of Nightwing <laughs>
2: I hadn't been reading Nightwing. Heartless, by the way, is the guy with the weird mask toward the end of the issue. Yes. Okay, all right. I was trying to remember who that was. I started reading comics with Robin and Nightwing. So mm-hmm. I read with New Titans 71. So I followed, and I read back, back issues. So I followed the evolution of Dick Grayson all the way through. I want to say like Nightwing 100 was probably my last issue of that series. In here and there through the end of the series, and Marv Wolfen has been running into one point. Dan Juergens was doing a run on it. I like again, Infinite Crisis came around. And I, I got right back into it for a little while. I read The New 52 for a handful of issues, but it was not terrible. I was just bored with it. So I, I dipped out of that. And then I hadn't read anything about Nightwing until I saw the solicit for this right around the future state event they did because i hadn't been paying attention to anything in dc continuity i had no idea what all this metal and all that <laughs> stuff was but i saw the artwork on this yeah and i saw some people on twitter tweeting out like panels and pictures and stuff and, and 78 hadn't come I, issue 78 i think is when the run started it didn't come out yet i was like i should check this out so i put it on my pull list and i'm really glad i did this this is such a great run of this character and it's serious and it's 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 the closest it, it reminds me a lot of that first chuck dixon um scott mcdaniel run from like you know that that really really great run they had at the beginning of that title i mean it's 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 it, it, it it's serious but it's a lot of fun and it's not overly grim dark and it's not the art is gorgeous and it really fits the character and I like the characterization. And everything. It's just it's it, it it's one of like. Am I buying any? Oh, I'm buying a couple of other DC comics, but it's like it's like my favorite of the of the like three or four DC titles I'm buying right
0: now. Yeah, for sure. So
2: yeah, so yeah, and this is a this is a great issue because Ew. out of nowhere, Titans. Appear.
0: I know Titans of <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get point. to that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So in the beginning, of course, they're talking about there's some hits Mm -hmm. on Dick Grayson. And then you also see Barbara and she's talking to somebody, which I assume by the end that it's probably Wally. She seems to be in communication. um, Yeah,
2: I think I think uh, I think it's Wally. That panel that you had with Blockbuster, that guy and the woman that they send to put the hit on him. Yeah they're a i want to say they're a chuck dixon creation okay uh they first appear in the late the mid to late 90s in i want to say his detective comics run and i was like and when i saw her i was like wait are these these two they're like this pair of assassins who are in love and yeah. and it's kind of like a pumpkin and honey bunny thing and they were it was it was a comical little bit and they they took on batman at one point i think there was an ep- there was it was a storyline where also like Deathstroke was involved like right after, so it was like 96, 97, right after Deathstroke's uh, series had been canceled, Um, first series had been canceled. So it was pretty cool that they're bringing, because this is a, I don't know when the last, granted, it's been so long since I read Nightwing consistently, they might, Mm -hmm. or Batman consistently, they might have shown up in other points, but to me, this is a pretty deep cut to bring these two in.
0: Yeah, for sure. I would so agree. Yeah, that's a pretty that's and-
2: pretty cool that they, yeah. they dug those two out of mothballs, you know, just just to have this mission and it makes sense because they're 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 snipers.
0: Absolutely. It this happens to me in real life for some reason, but sometimes the modern stuff that I'm reading really coordinates well with the vintage stuff that I'm reading. And I've noticed in the vintage that Barbara seems to go to Wally a great deal whenever there's something, some issue or Dick is going through a hard time to try to get Wally mm-hmm. to talk to him. And so here it like makes sense that Wally is, is the one yeah. to be talking to her here and then rescue him or catch him and uh, cradle him yeah. or, or piggyback him later on. So I feel like they're probably best friends. I even asked uh, Don, would you say that probably they're that? is his best friend. So it's
2: he and Wally have a very good relationship with one another and they've always been very good friends. It's not the sort of weird adversarial yet friendly relationship he has with Roy. Mm. You know, the two of them get along really well, but I think Dick and Wally feel more have more of a friendship. The only other person I could picture being closer than Wally would be Donna.
0: I would agree. Yeah. And I don't have your Titans history, but from what but, I've yeah, read, that's they both, what I would they say. Both,
2: they both work. And I don't know what the characterization is in this era of, you know, things change, but in my history, it's either Wally and Donna really, really.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. This is, I, I just love the scenes with Barbara. I mean, of course, Objectively or biasly, I, you know, I love the shipping, but I just feel like it's done well. I mean, for several years, we've just had unnecessary drama between these two. But mm-hmm. it's like we, we finally seem to have hit like a good climate of the relationship it just is like it's working well the, they're friends but also they're lovers mm. and there's like no unnecessary drama so i'm just very appreciative of their interactions and mm. that it's fun it can also be serious She can care for him and be worried about him and vice versa and it all works out
2: this is really cutely drawn too yeah she like it's so it's not like the, the facial expressions are natural and it's it, the little my hero thing it's really yes. cute I like the fact that he's getting the bagels from Tomasi's Deli, by the way,
3: oh yeah, um,
2: uh, you know, but it's just like, um, I like it when an artist, we talked about Phil Noto in his covers. I like it when an artist in comics has a really good control of characters faces mm-hmm. and isn't just drawing the same face or does really good facial expressions on the characters. Like, like Kevin Maguire, for instance, right? Like, you know, like just the facial and Keith Giffen would do and George Perez and, and and you know you have Phil Noto here. Amanda Connor did some great f- facial expressions in the thing we had. Like here, there, there's some something very very natural about the way these uh, Bruno Redondo or no, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Bruno Redondo right. does yeah. the does the does the facial expressions of these Absolutely.
0: characters. And uh, um, oh, there's Gun so, Bunny. Yeah. Uh, so then, of course, he's at this press conference and he's about to get shot. Oh boy, look who shows up of my nemesis starfire but what's really funny is i love this i wish that they still used icicles icicle word bubbles (laughs) but they don't but at one point starfire says oracle we have a shooter is the feed working can you see and the next one is i can see starfire starfire.
2: now Uh, now i'm gonna i'm gonna say this yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hug at that rug that you're sitting on (laughs) okay the oracle gun bunny starfire gunhawk their flash on the next page uh they're all bold italicized
0: they're all italicized
2: they're they're all bold and slightly italicized
0: in terms of the typeface
2: it's kind of like back in the day in the tra- see I don't know if you read old Transformers comics from Marvel but anytime they use a character's name it would be bold and italics like
0: oh interesting you know okay.
2: so they were it was a, so I think it's just a very comic tropey, like you know cities, see. you know um or but but I I'll, I'll give it to you. No,
0: I mean you're right. The evidence does point to that, but seriously, I see yeah, Starfire. I, can fire. See I yeah. still wish that she had icicles. I mean, I don't yeah. know what their history is in this continuity, but I'm assuming yeah. I also like how incognito Babs looks just with her shades mm-hmm. and everything. But then, yeah, yeah, so we've got the whole the whole Titan crew, got Wally coming in and rushing, also giving him an option of cradle yeah. or piggyback, which I thought was really fun. I mean, neither are that but, dignified. <laughs>
2: yeah, let's let's go back to the Starfire,
0: okay page,
2: okay, and if you, I don't know if you can zoom all the way out, but on my, on my, um, if you can, it looks like it might be, a, yeah, that is a great, that's a great page,
0: yeah, the she panels. turns
2: around, runs, and Donna just grabs the earrings and just, I, I like the, I like the way their their figures are drawn as well, um, yeah, she, uh, Redondo does not give Starfire like. <laughs> The, she's in proportion yeah. yeah so just stuff like that like you notice stuff like that and yeah and i like donna's costume um this costume i'm not that big about the collar but um but yeah. the, the stars on the side and everything it looks
0: really, really the, cool but this is a really cool yeah her thing. i don't understand kind of the the shoulder pads necessarily but i do like how casually she is leaning against the building yeah. just like this this is pretty easy for me mm-hmm. okay a, we do have a piggyback which is a lot of fun mr terrific pops up and then he gets a new suit right there and um i love that little i don't know chibby or kind of anime cartoonish style of <laughs> wally saying and your face has the now i need to get out of this because i can't read it as, as well. the
2: inbuilt defensive yeah. pretty for anyone to shoot at
0: there you go yeah and and they talk about just the fact that the more flexible material and the bolt proof material is, is vulnerable to stabbing attacks. So they made a point of working around that as well. So he's mm-hmm. getting his suit and now that the stripes go all the way down to, I guess, connect to what his three, the index middle and ring finger yeah. Whereas originally there were just kind of um, blue flares on the knuckles. So that's kind of the classic where, as they said, the, yeah. the stripes are back. And we've got these uh, these people, and I think that's his sister. and the Titans are here. I mean, did you enjoy this seeing the Titans like this?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since I read a Titans comic. Yeah,
3: um,
0: it's been hard but, for you.
2: but we've got I mean page oh, pay, number of the pages <laughs> the Titans together page the yeah. the the homage to teen new teen Titans number one. I mean it's that's it's total fan service, but yeah. I'm here for it.
0: He's sipping it up like soup. All right, it's
2: it is. It's it's total. They're all in the right position, and is um, even changing. It's yeah. you know, uh, it's it's just great. I mean, that's like I said, it's it's total fan service. But I'm I'm
0: here for it. Slurping it up like soup, and then yep, mm-hmm. got some blockbuster, and then ooh, Starfire versus blockbuster. Really <laughs> fun. I don't I don't know what would happen there, and then yeah, I, Heartless reappears.
2: Like, oh yeah! I love the name. I love the line. I have every... She says, to what Roland? Like, yeah. that's just... Yep. That's why I like Corey. She doesn't screw around. That's why <sighs> I hated what they did to her at the beginning of the new 52. Because it was just like, that's not her. But yeah. Corey, Corey, you don't mess with Corey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Gunhawk and... Heartless there at the end. Um mm-hmm. and I did like all, you know, when Heartless says, Is there someone who will miss you, someone who relies on you? And he says, Bunny, we're everything to each other. And then, well, that's that was the kiss of death right there. So yeah. he's probably lost his heart. So goodbye, Gunhawk. Tom Taylor killed, yeah. Uh, and then says next is Superman, Superman. which we've seen some really special issues between Superman and Dick. So mm-hmm. I can't, I can't wait to see what Tom Taylor does with that, but yeah, yep. so we don't need to read that, but I just want to go through that and talk about Nightwing. And again, highly recommend this particular run. So now we're moving on to our last thing, which is Batgirls
2: number two. I went to the comic store last weekend
0: <gasps> and you picked up
2: and I picked up a bunch of different stuff, including the I I hadn't been in a couple of weeks. So they were like, Four Spider-Man comics for my kid. Ooh, um, yeah, a bunch of indie stuff, including like Undiscovered Country from Image, which is a really good thing. Department of Truth, which is really good. Uh, Marvel has just relaunched King Conan. Mm. <laughs> for some reason, I bought like a ton of King Conan back issues at the Baltimore Comic Con, so I've been like really into King Conan uh, or Conan the King, depending on what what iteration you're looking at. So that was cool, and I found both issue one and two still oh. on the stand. Oh, so I grabbed both one
0: and two. Okay, so. here we go. Because the back demanded it. Issue number two, one way or another story, Becky Clunan and Michael W. Conrad, Art George Corona and colors, Sarah Stern. Picking up immediately after issue one, the saints and back tussle while Babs updates them on the various members and instructs them to get out of there. Tarsus is the ringleader specializing in torture, Valentine or Valentine has a Batman-like origin and sees militarized order as the key to the city's redemption. A CC worked for Star Labs and has stolen tech to outfit the saints and is often accompanied by an animal bot. And here we have Fido 5. Babs gives props to the Batgirls while also recognizing the confusion that sharing a name could potentially cause while on comms and says they'll have a meeting to discuss some uh, codenames. Mm-hmm. The Batgirls do their best in the engagement, but end up listening to Barbara and getting out of there. The Saints allow it and leave to plan for another attack. The Batgirls reconvene at home, and while Steph is pretty down about all the bad things that have been happening lately, Cass suggests that they take it one step at a time and begin with breakfast. At Our Lady of Mercy, Seer, pretending to be Simon Saint, dresses down the saints for letting the Batgirls go, but they say they won't fail again and are the heralds for Simon Saint's second coming. At the afternoon meeting, Batgirls discuss why the saints believe Simon Saint is still alive and Babs deduces that it must be Seer. They talk about all the things they have on their plates to do as heroes in a new place and Barbara warns them to wear their helmets while riding their scooter. Little does she know that they're not riding their scooters, but they're still cruising in Bondo, which they, of course, stole (laughs) or recommissioned. I don't know. Last issue. As they patrol the streets, they see a gathering of perps that they beat up previously. In my notes, I spell beat B-E-E-T. But anyways, mm. along with some cops building a wicker man-esque structure with stolen goods. Back at the warehouse, Barbara catches Dick up on what's been going on in a nice girlfriend-boyfriend sort of conversation while making earrings when the back girls return and update her on what they saw. Steph also continues saying their neighbor is the serial killer and Babs, for whatever reason, still doesn't listen. Barbara catches up with Cass while making dinner and Steph does something with her phone and hides it, which I still can't. Understand what she actually does. Grace O'Halloran continues her story on the impromptu street artist tutor, while also defending the back roles and updating readers/slash audience members on the clock tower and what happened to it. Barbara shows the girls her solution to the comms issue earrings, but Cass is concerned that she doesn't have pierced ears. Easily remedied in a scene out of Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan, Cass now has pierced ears. Batgirls do a field test on the comms while also doing an errand for Barbara. Steph spots the neighbor with a human head, but they don't do it. They don't go to him. They are distracted by a tussle in the alleyway and a zombie construction worker. The victim, also the owner of the bookstore, Babs told Cass to check out, asks the girls to look out for a crock pot that his wife bought and was stolen. And they say they will. And they run after that construction worker. Later, Tudor is revealed with some sort of chemical agent, leading the people of the hill to rise against those who would silence the people and to purify Gotham. Is this January 6th? The Batgirls, having chased the perp in the alley to the gathering, are about to stop Tudor when Steph falls victim to the zombieism. Next Tudor versus Batgirl versus Batgirl. Okay, lots of things going on here, just like the first issue. I first want to ask some questions about the cover. Mainly, what do you think about the cover? And what do you think about the fact that this issue, as well as the the main cover of issue one, we kind of leave Barbara out of it to a certain extent. We really focus on Steph and Cass, and we do that again here where Barbara is there. She's a floating head, hashtag Carolyn knows, but she's on a screen kind of looking down and judging those fat girls but what do you think about this cover what do you think is what's the symbolism there is there symbolism with barbara not really being present present
2: she looks like a worried mother
0: <laughs> which is what i i'm concerned about i don't want her to be a den mother. she
2: can be like the den mother to the
0: i don't want it to be that way yeah i that's... mean did you get a feel of that in the issue do you feel like that she's glory in, in issue one too just a glorified den mother that they like check in with every now uh, and again I don't
2: want to be that negative about it, but right now it seems like they want to focus on Cass and Steph. So she is kind of playing that role. Okay. If we didn't know that she was over in Nightwing yeah. doing the Oracle thing, um, I don't even know if she's going to suit up a girl again. I have no idea what they're... Um, if, she, if she wasn't seeing action in Nightwing, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they kind of resigned her to this mother... Yeah. You know, this, this den mother
0: role. A backup role. Character.
2: But she's not Mrs. Garrett, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I mean she's still—I don't know—she's playing a Q almost yeah. a Q and an M at the same time. If mm-hmm. we're, you know, if the the girls are bonds, so I guess we'll see. I do want her to yeah. be more active, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like Batgirls and Barbara is is what we're seeing here. But otherwise, I mean the the covers are fun. I'm enjoying them. I just find it really unusual that we're seeing Barbara. But not seeing Barbara, and of course, mm-hmm. below her is the symbol for Seer. So Seer is is always present. I did want to at least mention, because I mentioned last time that these saints are based off of real life people. So just briefly who they are. So Tarsus, a bit too vague since it is a city. It could be St. Paul, who was originally Saul, because he was born in Tarsus. And he has or is regarded as one of the most important figures of the apostolic age. And we know that he's written or... Many 14 out of 27 books of the New Testament are attributed to Paul. So that's that's a that's a big deal right there. We've got Valentine, who's the patron saint of Turney, and that's a city in the southern portion of Umbria in central Italy. The patron saint of epilepsy and beekeepers as well. Martyred, of course and uh we've got that valentine's day which is based off of this particular person assisi many people know assisi saint several francis. Yeah, there are several saints associated with that particular town but given the animal companion it is most likely francis italian catholic friar deacon and mystic he founded the or the men's order of friars minor the women's order of saint Clair, and the third <laughs> order of saint francis in the custody of the holy land uh most venerated figure even tom knew see uh, well i grew up
2: around catholics I Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I I yeah, I'm not Catholic, but I yeah, Saint Francis of Assisi is like one of the ones. Him, Thomas Aquinas, oh yeah, you know, uh Saint Benedict, Val, you know Valentine because Valentine's yeah. Day there's a few. There's a few that you just know off the top of your head, or you know, like Saint Anthony, mainly because there's probably a prep school on Long Island. <laughs> sure,
0: named after yeah, somebody. Yeah,
2: so there's like you know, Saint Joseph's.
0: Uh, he's, of course, associated with the patronage of animals and the natural environment, which I mm-hmm. appreciate him a great deal. And then wow. Fido 5 could just be a dog name. I feel like could be referencing um, either Fidelis of Como or Fidelis of Sig- uh, both of whom were martyred. I think the only saint that mm-hmm. wasn't martyred was Francis, though I think he did get the stigmata. So that was um, distinct, too. But anyways, there you go. I just wanted to mention those that they're based off of real life saints. Okie dokie. Let's see here. Well, I guess I'll just ask you right away. What do you think of this? You read issue one in preparation for this. And now, of course, issue two. Oh, how are you feeling? I mean, we did demand it. Fans demanded this. You may not have been one of those Mm -hmm. fans. But do you feel like so far this is a worthwhile book?
2: I hope it is for the fans. I honestly. I mean it 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 was it had a lot of action in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I can see they're still getting some stuff set up. It has a good cliffhanger.
0: Yeah.
2: Um I don't know who this Taskmaster light villain is, tutor or whatever. Like oh, yes. you know, um yeah it, it does doesn't he look kind of look like Taskmaster? Like <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, I uh but I'm hoping that the fans really, really dig it. Um it's a book that I might check out when it hits the dc infinite app and not buy the issues off the stands because it was just i mean like i said it was it's pretty well it's really really busy
0: there's a lot going on
2: it's really busy
0: yeah
2: it was you know like you know kind of go back over i'm like oh yeah there were there's a lot that happens (sighs) like i said i'm not really the i'm not really in the best position to judge anything because i'm coming in cold i haven't i've never really read much of like my Stephanie Brown that I know the best is like when she was first introduced 30 years ago. Mm. Cause I had her for like, I, I actually liked her when she first appears as a spoiler. I've always liked her as a character Cass I remember from when I saw her like in Batman or Robin or Nightwing or whatever, like, you know, so I've never actually read their individual titles as yeah. Batgirl. I, I did like, you know, the scenes of them in the apartment and everything. But I, like I said, it, there was, I think she's getting like, I like Becky Cloonan, you know, and I think she's getting, she's getting a good dynamic established. Yeah, so it's just, but like I said, I'm like, eh, do I, like personally, I'll I'll wait on the
3: yeah,
2: I'll wait for video, so to speak, on it. <laughs> um, but I did, but I, I found it enjoyable for the two issues that I that I read. I might, I'm contemplating buying the rest of this arc to see how it turns out, especially with the cliffhanger at the end. I'll kind of sure. see like what's going on here. I will say, that the more I look at Babs of this issue, I think she's being drawn a little too old.
0: Interesting.
2: Like she, I know she's older than the. Right. Than the, the women, than the other two young women. Are they supposed to still be teenagers? How old are they supposed to
0: be? I've never been given a number and okay. I couldn't t- because you know I'm coming in off of uh the recent Batman stuff, but they yeah. with the detective comics that Tynian had done, I guess that was mm-hmm. Rebirth or whatever. Uh, I would yeah. assume that they're teen like might be late teens, but like 18, 19. I would say so, yeah,
2: like New Teen Titans age, yeah, Babs is. Babs well, isn't thirty. Remember, she was.
0: Who knows? Who because because, because the way she's being down. drawn here. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So she, the way she's being drawn for some of the panels here, she looks like she's in her thirties. Yeah, I feel
0: and like maybe it, twenty. That's why I said it, she looks yeah.
2: like a. Yeah, she kind of looks den motherish. She yeah. almost looks like this is going to be a weird thing. She almost looks like the adult aunt or mom character in like like an an animated cartoon from like disney or pixar like in big hero six or something like you know that's in the show sure it's but it's kind of cool you know like but isn't really like a main character but you know like you know i'm not trying to and i'm not trying to like knock the art the art actually like i said the art's very very busy but it's uh yeah it fits the tone and it 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 fits the it's not trying too hard to do cool but yeah so but babs looks a little too old (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, which might go with you know what our our concern or at least my concern is of what what is her place in this yeah. story and in this trio and everything.
2: Either that, or we're looking at through the eyes of somebody of a hero of a pair of superheroes who are eighteen or nineteen, yeah. and anybody over the age of twenty five might as well look like they're thirty or thirty five. No, it's yeah, no offense true. to eighteen or nineteen year olds, but yeah. there is a perception of people who are a certain amount of older than you.
0: Yeah,
2: that they they seem a lot older than you know. Yeah. Actually.
0: And um, even how they're treating her like here with this scene and, and Steph going to Babs automatically for, for comfort and Barbara, you know, checking in with Cass one-on-one and also yeah. saying, you know, how's your reading going? You should go check that bookstore out. So she is, uh, she's leaning into that. If that's mm. what we want her to do. And I think the, the girls see her like that as well.
2: Yeah. I, well, that, that works because if she does see, if she is there to help take help, help them, Take care of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If that's the way she knows how to do it, then it then it works. Yeah. The, the muscled up tech big bad guys there at the beginning. It's <laughs> the same. Kind of funny. It's like
0: <laughs> Are you okay By with the, way, the info dumping and uh, how Oracle does it? I mean, it kind of seems Oracle that she would update them on who it yeah, is, it's, as well it's, as the readers.
2: Yeah. I well, how many comic books have you and I read where <laughs> if it's not Oracle doing it, it's just like Here's the caption box.
0: It's true. Yeah. I
2: don't think you can even register it. I'm so, I've been so used to it over the years.
0: So, were you going to say something? I cut you off.
2: Those are very big knee pads.
0: They sure are. Oh man, I do like how I'm gonna to have to find where this is, but where she actually says, Oh yeah, so she talks to Cass, and we can tell she's talking to Cass and says, Batgirl, you can handle much pretty much anyone, but these aren't just anyone's there are three of them, and then and Batgirl. I know you have enough smarts and heart to survive any situation, but this isn't worth the risk. Also, we really need to sort out code names. So yeah, I'm glad that you know Barbara as well as the writers recognize that having more than one person with the same name will cause problems problems, kind of like Ashley in the 2000s or the one year that I taught three Abbeys in the same class, all with different spellings. But have you, what would you say when you were in school is like the most popular girl's name? Do you remember?
2: Oh, I grew up in the era of the, of the Jennifer.
0: Okay. Mine were Ashley's.
2: Yeah. Um, Funny enough, in in one of my classes this year, I have uh, three Katie's, a Caitlin and a Katja.
0: Heck. Are they all, differently? I also
2: differently? Uh, one of the K's has a C. Okay. One of the other two have a K. Okay. Um, Caitlin has a K. Katja has a K. I I had this string of Kathy's in my senior year of high school. I had a neighbor, next door neighbor named Catherine, who I had a, we never went out, but um, I had a massive crush on her. I went out. With a Kathy for a few weeks. We're still very.
0: Weeks. Good <laughs>
2: <sighs> high school. We, okay. we, we, were, we were friends. We tried dating. It ended badly. Oh, dear. Okay. We're still friends. It's been 25 years. Oh, that's
0: good. You're still friends. Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. It it, it it was a high school saga. Okay. Um, we're not getting into deals. And then I went out with a Kate whose name was Catherine, but K A T H R Y N.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a year
2: and a half. Wow. That ended. Really
0: badly Oh my gosh.
2: Tom. That was a, that was a
0: oh. well, you'll have to tell me all about it over some coffee. sometime. Yeah. I swear, all you gotta do, you we, don't need alcohol to loosen Tom's lips. Probably, you just have a podcast.
2: We probably should have um broken up about like we probably long story short, I made she was she was younger than I was, uh-huh. so she was still in high school. I went off to college. We made the mistake of I made the mistake of saying, "Hey, let's stay together." Uh, we probably should have broken up maybe six months sooner. We ended up having concert tickets. It was just a oh, whole.
0: Oh no! So, yeah. Who was concert
2: Bruce? Oh God! It was Hootie and the Blowfish.
0: Hootie and the
3: Blow- Oh, Tom! 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 In yeah. retrospective,
2: in retrospect, when she said, "I'll buy the other ticket off of you," I should have said yes, but I said no. Oh. Because you're going to take the guy you're cheating on me
3: with. Oh,
2: Tom. And so I went to a Hootie and the Blowfish concert with my girlfriend, who was barely talking to me out of spite.
0: Wow.
2: We broke up like a week later.
0: Okay. Did you enjoy the concert?
2: Fair enough. Hootie and the Blowfish were a tight, pretty. Were a pretty good concert. They were a pretty tight fans so,
0: Okay. I think we, what we found worth. what our uh, intro song is going to be. <laughs> I don't know. I'll pick one from the you find a
2: Hootie and the Blowfish song. Yes. Oh, great. I'm sure I know uh,
0: good ones. Okay, just continuing on. This uh, might be my favorite Yeah, back page. to the
2: comic books. I, You uh, did
0: that. I did not. I asked you what was the main name of girls that you're, and then it turned into that. So don't blame me, sir. Anyways, I really like the art on this for whatever reason, but I'm loving this art. Call it kind of pop rock art, mm-hmm. but just the colors and everything. Um, and I just really like that panel where Cass and Steph are using a zip line what are the that's called? a cool
2: panel Yeah, it matches the tone the, of the book yeah. really well
0: absolutely absolutely i did have a question about why they were using walkie-talkies and not comms since clearly it didn't work but it is answered so i'm glad that a lot of questions i have are answered within the book so the reason is well sear could probably hack it um so mm. that makes sense let's see here uh our lady of mercy the fact that it's the oldest church in the hill it's condemned and now it's a straight up hive of scum. Skull? No, it does say scum, scum and villainy. villainy. <laughs> and and they apparently uh, who for some reason aren't worried about asbestos. But it just I feel like it's a callback to that politics and Gotham discussion I did with Sam Heath about the fact that r- religion doesn't really play a part in Gotham citizens' lives, and it's often pot- potentially a negative connotation or just like no connotation. So of course we have the saints, and then we have this dilapidated church that's used for. You know that whatever this thing is what that this gathering here so that's just very interesting so the media continues to be which we have grace o'halloran as one of our side characters or minor characters so the media is still kind of the religion in in gotham citizens lives i would agree with you that you called it busy like there's a lot going on carolyn and i broke it down because you have seer you have the saints you have whatever these zombified people are and then you had tudor so at least now we we see that Tudor and the zombified people are associated with one another, but you still have Seer. And, and so those two aren't necessarily connected. And then, of course, the serial killer, which seems to be it's supposed to be like a joke now, maybe because I'm super confused why Barbara consistently doesn't listen to Steph when she's saying that guy is a serial killer. She like walks off at one point and says, why doesn't Mm -hmm. anyone listen to me? And they see a human head. Yeah, see? The grumpy one with the face of 1,000 corpses. It's like nobody ever listens when I talk. And it's true. Barbara's not listening. And then Cass sees the human head. And then they're like, oh, there's a disturbance. So I don't know what that's about. I guess it's now just a running joke. But it's a joke that creates a mischaracterization of some of these people
2: well stephanie i'm so used to everybody blowing stephanie off anyway <laughs> from like the like from the minute that she was a character that you know
0: <laughs> makes sense for you well i felt like i would say that's true of that era, I don't know, pre-new 52, but I felt like now with Rebirth that she was given more respect as spoiler mm. because those tales were darker. But, I mean, okay. maybe we are getting back to that. You might be right. Might Perhaps we're just getting back to that characterization.
2: Either that or this is going to lead into some sort of storyline where she has to take on the serial killer. Yeah or she's going to try there's it's it, it may yeah. it's it's like a it's like a breadcrumb they're dropping for a league yeah perhaps
0: and i could see at the very end steph like saying victory see i was right all along <laughs> and then yeah. She, she, yeah i'm like yeah we should have listened to you I will say that Seer is now given a they pronoun, which they were using she consistently, but in this issue they use they. So we're still not sure who this person is. The guests from Carolyn and I, uh, maybe Wendy, Wendy Harris. Mm. Not sure. Bad still thinks they're using the scooters, which is cute, but she's a fool because of course we're using Bondo. And <laughs> I will say I did love that scene where, Cass is just straight up chilling chilling like a villain with those shades on and in bondo which i find really amusing and they got dice and a batman hanging over there i don't trust any either of those girls driving well it's cas consistently is the one driving i don't trust her to drive but there we go <laughs> um i liked the phone call dick still continuing again just i think a good relationship and then Cat Babs mentioning Cass's reading ability is very interesting, so I look forward to seeing what that is. Here's a question: Now I mentioned Lindsay Lohan and Parent Trap. I don't know if you've ever seen that film. I enjoy it.
2: Um, I'm familiar with the original with Haley Mills.
0: Okay. Do you? Well. I don't know if they had that particular scene. It's been a while since I've seen that one. But what do you think about this ear pierce scene or just the piercing scene with Cassandra? And then do you like the earrings as an idea for communications?
2: I like the earrings. Uh, there's something very Wonder Woman about it. <laughs> it Doesn't it seem like very... I, think Don, I actually think Wonder Girl had communicated earrings at one yeah. point. So yeah, it's very. Uh, it's cla- It's a classic. It, it It's with the tone of the... Totally, it fits very, very
0: well. Yeah, uh,
2: with the with the with the stuff.
0: I almost wanted um, an apple to be there. I yeah. guess they use an ice cube and uh, a
2: mm-hmm. and yeah, the ice but... cube and needle bit. Yeah,
0: I've always been told to have an apple in the back, so I guess it. You know, the needle has somewhere mm-hmm. to stab. There was. Did you know what Steph was doing with? I'm going to have to find this now. This phone sequence. I wonder if she's she taking it. a selfie. Okay, but who, I want to see she sent. Would... Because it says sent.
2: It says spellbound gallery. Huh.
0: Thank you. I was going to. Um.
2: Up. I don't know what that is.
0: Okay. I've unless heard, unless yeah.
2: it's supposed to be like, I don't know why I would say sent If she was posting like to Insta or something, hmm. but Cass clearly interrupted her taking a selfie.
0: Yeah. And I feel like maybe they're not supposed to.
2: I don't think they're supposed to be doing that.
0: No, the technology, number one, as well as they're supposed to be keeping a low profile. Yeah, yeah. So, being out on so, mind, so that might be why. I just yeah, and I, what's happening. yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: So. Okay. I think, I mean, I think that's all I have. Of course, now we've got to figure out what's going on with Tudor and who this is. Originally, I thought Tudor was just a, a street artist, but there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've got some politics going on with it. But, and of course, Steph is zombified, but- any other thoughts on this issue?
2: The zombified thing looks interesting. I it it's very classic like one team member is brainwashed, the other one's yeah. got to figure all this out.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, it works enough to see like okay, wh- what are we what are we going to how are we purifying Gotham yeah. politically? Yeah, well, this is are you thing, getting like, the I,
0: January sixth feel out of this a little or bit? Okay, li- okay,
2: a little bit. It's also got this sort of like. I don't remember if you've ever read or remember it was a storyline back in like 88, 89 called The Cult
3: oh, where
2: yeah. uh, you have Deacon, Deacon Blackfire, I think was mm-hmm. the guy's name. And he was he was forming this cult around all these homeless and dispossessed people. I don't know what the state of Gotham City is. I haven't read Batman in about 20 years, so I don't know if, if Gotham is supposed to be like a complete hellhole. At the Mm -hmm. moment, or if it's or if it's got like really nice districts and then really bad kind of things, um, because like with the with the with the kind of the, the condemned cathedral, the condemned church makes sense in a sort of Bronx in the 1970s sort of way, you know, where like you had all these kind of condemned blown out buildings that weren't getting torn down because New York City was like completely out of money. And people were actually living in there. And some people were trying to like there were neighborhood improvement associations trying to fix them up um so people could actually live like through the 70s and the early 80s and most of the 80s in New York. And I don't know if they're still pulling from that for Gotham City. Because on Batwoman, they're clearly using Chicago.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, the, a lot of the establishing shots of Batwoman are Chicago. Okay. <laughs> um but they are, they have like, you know, and every city's got its seedy side. Um, it's just that Gotham's always seemed a little bit more rough than others. And yeah. Bloodhaven is even worse. <laughs> but um, so I don't know if they're just kind of like, you know, picking up if he's doing kind of that Deacon Blackfire thing. He picking up all the, picking up who he can and then it's just kind of spreading to, to whomever is, is there.
0: Yeah. The hill. It, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'd like to see what's behind this. It mm-hmm. would be really interesting. I don't. It, it, the poli- uh, you, by having a, an obvious mind control thing mm-hmm. um, you have a villain you have a quick story that you can do in the six issues it would have been really interesting to have a bat family hero face off against a group like this that is not being specifically mind controlled through some sort of power but they've just been brainwashed via the internet like QAnon type of stuff, it would be really interesting to see them have to handle something that's been done without some sort of like, you know, tech gadget power. Yeah. Hypnosis type of thing. But I don't, I think that would take longer. Yeah. have to build that story for a long, for a while for it to really feel, um, feel natural. And
0: yeah, this
2: is an establishing story for a title. So you don't want to do
0: that with this. Yeah. And it probably would have been Steph too, since she was the one who's down on herself. So, you know, how could this guy reach her? I, I, kind of wish that this wouldn't be happening right now. I-, I wish that they would have maybe sowed the seeds a bit more of this tutor. I mean, mm. we saw his art and everything, but all of a sudden we saw the art. There was that uh, Grace was talking about it. And then bam, now we've got this guy and, all of a sudden he's not on the up and up. So I almost wish that there was maybe one more issue of who this is and establishing him before really jumping into this, because we just have so many threats coming out at them in yeah. their first arc that could we take our time with some stuff. But the only thing that's a slow burn right now is a serial killer. So yeah
2: I, I want to know also though, like I guess we'll get, I guess we'll get the answers in the next issue or two. I want to know what, triggered Steph and not cast to get yeah. right. Okay. Like, so what is it? Did she, was she exposed to something earlier and there's a trigger? Mm. Um, Cause her eyes are all like crazy. She got yeah. like crazy red eyes, you know, like, and she, all of a sudden she's just kind of looking and she's looking at the, at the billboard and, and cast is looking there with her now. Cass is probably wearing some sort of lens that's filtering out whatever it is. So mm-hmm. we we need we need to see the man behind the curtain. We need to see how yeah. he is doing this.
0: And they're both if it's the gas, which I don't know if it's a gas or not, but they're both wearing masks, so
2: Yeah. I so I would imagine situation. it's something it's something with the eyes maybe?
0: Maybe, yeah. I mean, she was on technology, so maybe it's technology based.
2: Yeah, sure. yeah, I don't know necessarily know what how they're doing it. So it's, it's yeah. enough of a mystery for me to be like, okay, I'd like to see how they're doing this. Absolutely.
0: And we're, we're bolstering our ranks with some side characters. So here we have Mr. Doll, Dollawall, And then of course, a serial killer neighbor who's a grumpus and uh, grace O'Halloran is, is another side character. And yeah. I did forget to mention that Barbara is in a wheelchair in this issue where we saw before that she was walking and then was using a cane in the previous issue. So the writers mm-hmm. did say that she would be in various states of mobility. Okay. Out of 10 cup nudes, which is what they ate in issue one, but they did not. I did not see them eat that here. What would you give this issue?
2: I was slicing an onion. That's about as much food as
0: I said. There was Um, that slice of the onion.
2: Seven and a half.
0: Seven and a half. Seven and a half cup nudes. Yeah, I I am going to go lower than I did the previous one, which I think I gave it a nine or something. I think maybe an eight, Kate, mm-hmm. out of 10 cup nudes. There's a lot going on. I think it was too quick of a drop for Tudor. And the Barbara characterization or what her place is on this team is I'm still a bit baffled with it. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily sitting with me well. So we need to we need to see what that's going to be like. It had ten cup nudes. Okay, we're wrapping up. We're almost to Tom's favorite segment. This is the reason why. Almost, he likes to, the only reason he likes to come on. I do have one anime uh, film to mention. It's called Bell, which just came out twenty twenty one, but in um, it just hit theaters twenty twenty two. Two hours and two minutes. Suzu is a shy, everyday high school student living in a rural village. For years, she has only been a shadow of herself. But when she enters you, a massive virtual world, she escapes into her online persona as Belle, a gorgeous and globally beloved singer. One day, her concert is interrupted by a monstrous creature chased by vigilantes. As their hunt escalates, Suzu embarks on an emotional and epic quest to uncover the identity of this mysterious beast and to discover her true self in a world where you can be anyone. Ryu To Sovokasu no Hime tells a fantastical heartfelt story of growing up in the age of social media. So it is Based off of Beauty and the Beast, it is a visual delight. I really loved it. It's wow! It there's so much to talk about because Tom's on here. I won't I won't gush over it for hours, but I just highly recommend it. I feel like I I want to do something with this just to talk about. But there's so many layers of things going on here, and the soundtrack is is also beautiful. And I ended up seeing the it was at Regal. And so I, I decided to go to the, the Japanese with the English subtitles. But I think the English has a great soundtrack, too. But I decided to go to the Japanese. So anyways, I highly recommend that. And now we are on to literature recommendations. Tom, your favorite segment. I'm going to have to. Keep we're not up
2: doing on. what are you wearing?
0: <laughs> no, I did see you were wearing a, new, uh, a um, nerdy shirt. Would you like to show what you're wearing?
2: Yes, uh, the Greatest American Hero.
0: Oh, yeah. thank you for wearing a nerdy shirt.
2: You are welcome, even though it's kind of obscured by the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it, we've by got the all the, ner- the, the yeah. N- n- yeah, nerdy perks. Yeah, I've
2: got, I've got up and down the, the wall here, I've got there comics. There
0: you go, and here. I see an AT-AT over there, too.
2: Yeah, there's a Lego AT-AT. There is, the right in front of it is a Star Destroyer.
0: Oh,
3: uh, that okay. Brett and
2: I put together. Uh, no, it's closed. It's oh, closed. Okay. They're, they're both gray, so it's gray on gray. <laughs> uh, it's actually underneath the Return of the Jedi poster. Okay. And then that, okay. those are DVDs. And then up there, that dragon.
0: Yes.
2: And then that's the Millennium Falcon. Oh. There's a Hogwarts Lego set behind it. <laughs> and then there's some more yeah. beyond.
0: It's there. a nerd cave down there.
2: It's 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 my child's Legos <laughs> that have been down. Your here for a
0: child's while. Legos. We put
2: him together when he was little. He
0: okay. Here.
2: Yeah. Let's see. Uh, oh, something I forgot to mention really quickly: the mac and cheese thing. If I'm going to recommend a comic series, Catwoman: Lonely City. Oh. By Cliff Chang.
0: Yeah. So good. Okay, I was thinking just the so creative team and the. Good. I was thinking oh my gosh!
2: Shot. So good. Okay. Yes. Yes, yeah, it's only two issues so far. But,
0: okay, and it's a limited, um,
2: isn't it? I believe so. Okay. It's, it's a it's a DC Black Label. Oh yeah. Book. All right. So what I got? I have uh, the Lost Family: How DNA Testing Is Uncovering Secrets, Reuniting Relatives, and Upending Who We Are. So it's Ooh. about it's a nonfiction book by Libby Copeland, which is about the boom in in kind of consumer genetic testing of like Twenty Three and Me and ancestry and stuff, and, and the history behind that science, as well as some stories about how people have had their lives kind of upended or, or have discovered secrets about their family and stuff like that. It's was a really interesting to read about like the history of that and what goes into it, the concerns about security. And, mm. and it also gets into like police work and, and solving crimes and whether or not this is a right to privacy issue and things like that. So that was really, really cool. A separate piece by John Knowles, which we you will hear us talk about in a, when is this episode coming out? Next week. Next week. Okay. Yeah. So in about three weeks, yeah, <laughs> World, that that episode of Required Reading with Tom and Stella will air. The Hour I First Believed by Wally Lamb, which um, I would not recommend actually. I'm just going through my Goodreads list. Sure. It was, oh, yeah, that's what I'll do. It was yeah. a very long book that had this connection to Columbine High School, and it was oh, just it was it was very, very forced. I will recommend The Wonder Woman by Phil Jimenez Omnibus. Ooh. That was huge. Um, that was really, really good. I, and I have read the first two volumes of Starman, uh, the James Robinson run. Um, I have the trades from the nineties. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know how much reprinted that or imprint that is lately, uh, but, but I have the sins of the father and night and day. So I'm working my way through all of those trades and that's been really, really good. And then uh, most recently um, Batman, the dark Knight detective volume five, it's collecting the very, late very very late 80s very very early 90s batman detective comics issues by mainly by norm uh alan grant and norm breyfogle and this is detective comics 613 14 15 617 613 through 15 617 through 621 and the second annual um so in that you have a couple of really, really good one and dones Uh the 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 three-part that's called the penguin affair is the 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 thing of that is not in there. I think it's in another trade because they've been reprinting the Batman comics from that era. Uh, but then it has the two the, the one of the detective issue that kind of leads into the two Batman Return of the Joker issues with 450 and 451. And then it has the four-parter where Tim Drake's parents are kidnapped, which mm. is right when I these are actually this is this trade is exactly when I started reading Batman. Okay back in 1990 so um it was pretty cool I, I I owned those issues years ago and I've been collecting this run of trades for a while and I got this for Christmas from my parents so it was pretty cool but yeah so so uh so those are all I've been I've read so far and I have a huge pile oh, huge pile of books yeah <laughs> to read um i don't even know what i'm gonna read next after i finish the uh I'm, I'm reading the bell jar at the moment so i don't know once i'm done with that i'll probably pick something lighter
0: yeah oh okay yeah. So,
2: just, you know. <laughs> you're saying the and, bell
0: jar is not light
2: no no <laughs>
0: i know i know
2: jaunt <laughs> through sylvia plath's oh, dear. Oh, dear. brain She does have a wicked sense of humor. We'll we'll table that for our discussion of her because we are gonna discuss this book in a future required reading. Yeah. She does she is funny in places, which and and kind of caustically witty, which I do
0: appreciate. Like a black humor, I suppose. Yeah, she has a very dark sense of humor. (laughs) Okay. So I have read You Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain by Phoebe Robinson. A hilarious and affecting essay collection about race, gender, and pop culture from celebrated stand-up comedian and WNYC podcaster Phoebe Robinson. As a Black woman in America, she maintains sometimes you need to have a sense of humor to deal with the absurdity you are handed on the daily. Robinson has experienced her fair share over the years. She's been unceremoniously relegated to the role of the Black friend, as if she is somehow the authority in all things racial. She's been questioned about her love of U2 and Billy Joel. She's been called uppity for having an opinion in the workplace. She's been followed around stores by security guards. And yes, people do ask her whether they can touch her hair all the time. Now she's ready to take these topics to the page, and she's going to make you laugh as she's doing it. Passing by Nella Larson, which a film just came out Mm -hmm. with... Tessa Thompson and Ruth Vega, Ruth Nega, Ruth Vega, Ruth Nega, I think. And so I was reading this, one of my friends, shy read it. And then we were going to, she was going to wait for me. And then I read it and then we watched the film together. But it is about Irene Redfield, who is a black woman uh, living in affluent, comfortable life with her husband and children in the thriving neighborhood of Harlem in the 1920s. And then she reconnects with her childhood friend, Claire Kendry, who is similarly light skinned. But Claire has been passing for a white woman after severing ties to her past. And then they meet again and Claire starts to spend more time with them. And then, well, I don't want to spoil what (laughs) happens with that, but. Uh, the Smash Up by Allie Benjamin. This was mentioned a year or more ago, I think, by Robert. Robert Ward mm. on our show because it is a modern take on Ethan Frome.
2: Yes. I yeah. w- now, now it rings a bell.
0: So it is... It's really contemporary. It it deals with me too. It deals with the fallout of the 2016 election. It deals with the Supreme Court and all of that stuff that was going on with that one justice that was, um, he's already sworn in, but uh, remember the allegations coming up. Yeah. So I liked that it was contemporary and was bringing this into it, but a lot of the times it was really heavy and heavy handed. And so I wonder if that for me, like who can take that stuff? Because I'm like, okay, sure, sure, yeah. sure. But then for other people who that that could potentially like push them off, and so I couldn't tell. Like, are you intentionally being heavy handed? Are you trying to push people away from it? I I couldn't tell. But also, some of the characters are really unlikable, and it's only like the last quarter that I'm like, okay, now I'm feeling some empathy for you. But it was hard at times, so. I gave that a three. And then my final one is Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. I also read a separate piece, but I didn't need to re-mention that. Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. And if you know the tale of Ariadne and Theseus, Theseus, of course, uh, with the Minotaur, then you know that Theseus abandoned Ariadne after she helped him go to the middle and come back out alive from the labyrinth. And so it follows her. It's all in her perspective. And the Minotaur is like killed in the first 100 so you're like what's going to happen and you just um find out more about her and what she what goes on afterwards because uh she does have a relationship with Dionysus or Bacchus takes pity on her and then also her sister because her sister ends up marrying Theseus so that was really good so in the same vein as Circe or Patroclus no what was it called was it called sure. achilles i guess it was achilles um just where they take mm. not necessarily the minor character but like the side character of an epic hero's story and s- shows what their perspective is so that was really good
2: cersei's okay. on my pile
0: Ooh, it's a good i got one. that
2: i got that last year Her was really good it's good it's one. It's, it's sitting it's there somewhere.
0: Waiting. Yeah. It is, it is okay, somewhere. Tom, we're at that point in time where you get to sh- talk about what you're doing and then <laughs> how we can support you and find you.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, so you can find me at two podcasts over on Two True Freaks. Uh, one is required reading with mm. Tom and Stella, which is <laughs> the two of us. Um, <laughs> in fact, the most recent episode, which is 12th Night, dropped. Um, <gasps> as of recording this, yesterday so uh it dropped it just dropped uh, tuesday january uh 18th and next week actually right around the time this episode is going to be going to be posted you will hear stella on my other show pop culture affidavit because we're talking about she's the man you can find that also at popcultureaffidavit.com and you can follow me on twitter at pop aff that's p-o-p-a-f-f thank
0: you thank you for coming on
2: yeah, thanks for having me again. It's been a while. I think the last time I was on here, we were doing Tower of Babel. Oh, was that really? long ago?
0: Was Tower of Babel before or after our Judas Contract special that we did?
2: I want to say that was, ooh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It was either that, so it was either the Tower of Babel storyline or it was the Judas Contract
0: special. Oh, so it has been a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. because we did, you were on for all those Justice Leagues.
2: You yeah, Justice I covered all there. the Morrison yeah. Justice Leagues and then the one that one Mark Wade story You're
0: right crazy crazy well yeah. I'm glad to have you on glad we got to do a Terry Moore.
2: no it's fun to fun to be here so
0: yeah absolutely well remember to support Tom and you can always send any questions or comments backroll to oracle at gmail.com and if you have any questions for Tom you can send them my way and I can forward or do you have an email address
2: um like pop culture pop culture affidavit at
0: gmail.com There you go. You can find the show on Google Play and Stitcher. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at Backworld Oracle. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, of course. You can see our winning faces and our winning personalities. And follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. Support the Batman Universe by subscribing to Patreon. And once again, thanks for Mile High Comics supporting and sponsoring Backworld Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast. And until next time, Tom, what is it that we say?
2: Fly on, Babs lovers.
1: (laughs)